All right, we are actually sitting together in the flesh, Frank Stoner and myself, Todd, at uh, Frank's house in Austin, Texas. That's right. Yeah, it's great to be here, man. It's yeah, like... I'm glad to have <laughs> you. This is fantastic. I'm really happy that this worked out. Mm-hmm. And I could sneak away for a little bit to do this. Yeah, and we're and we're fireside for those of you who aren't here with us. Yeah, we've got a little campfire going. We're out here on my deck, and it's I don't know, overcast and cold. Yeah, it's kinda. it's a lot colder than I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's cozy. Yeah, with the fire. I think this is the first fireside podcast that we've ever done. Actually, we should do more. We should do more. Yeah, it's really nice. Everybody should get a cigar and a glass of cognac or something. There you go. <laughs> Maybe a monocle. Yeah. So we've been sitting here talking for for a little while, and it, it's that awkward moment where the, the record button gets pushed. Uh-huh, yeah. It's that yep. sudden change of vibe. Well, okay, well, let's, 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 let's cannonball then. Let's, let's talk about something. Let's talk let's about... I, I want to ask you about your artwork. Your artwork sure. has appeared in a number of places. Yeah. Uh, including the mushroom blading logo, right? The the feet, right, with the high socks or whatever? Yep. Yeah. Um, and you drew that. Yeah. Yeah, I... That was actually a drawing that I I scanned and made into a vector logo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's me. What... I mean, but you, you've never... I've never heard you talk about your drawing. Somebody actually... Somebody actually told me to ask you that. Yeah. Uh, because it's been it's been kind of hidden from from discussion. Are you are you yeah. keeping it from people? Are you modest no. about it or shy about it? No, I'm open to talk about it. I'm just not exactly sure what people would like to know. I mean, well, I mean, how have you been drawing like your whole life? Did you draw as a kid and continue no. on? Actually, it's funny. All through high school, I was a pretty good student. I got A's and B's. Mm-hmm. In every class, and the only class that I got anything lower than a B was art. <laughs> I didn't take <laughs> art seriously at all, and I didn't consider myself to be an artist or a drawer or anything like uh-huh. that. Um, it was something that I started later on in life, maybe when I was about 25, 26. And, and I think it was important for me to learn that Vincent van Gogh didn't start painting till he was 26. Huh. I didn't know that. Yeah, and when I learned that, I found that really inspiring. And uh, like a lot of things that I'm doing now, I didn't start until later on. Mm-hmm. So drawing is, is one of those things. Um, but I just really became obsessed with it. And I do it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I go through stages where I become really obsessive about it, and I'll just like yeah. do it for hours and hours and get really into it and I love it. How I how I mean how it. how specialized are you? I mean do you have separate notebooks that are drawing paper and do you have like whole sets of pencils? I mean do you have for instance uh, you know since we're talking for rollerbladers. Yeah. Every rollerblader somewhere in his or her house has a box of one kind or other with just like spent wheels, broken frames, broken buckles that no one can seem to throw away. Because maybe you might need something, or right. maybe you'll use it again, you know? Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of artists who have, for instance, cans of paint, old pencils that, like, they just can't seem to part with in almost exactly the same way. Do you have a collection of, like, accessories and notebooks and... My collection is really limited, because, like, my my use of mediums uh-huh. is really limited. Like, I don't paint. I don't know okay. how to paint. I've tried to paint, and I'm terrible at painting. Yeah. Um, I recently, I just 
got some watercolor and I, tr I tried watercolor. I need to put more time into it, obviously. Yeah. It's not, I'm just not going to get it. But right now, my medium is cho of choice is just Sharpie pens. Oh, really? It's just Sharpie pens. It's super, okay. super basic. Okay. And a lot of my stuff is just black Sharpie drawings. Okay. But I, th I like to also uh, scan that and go into the computer okay. and do a little bit of digital touch-ups touch ups here and there. But for the most part, I've just got a massive book at home of black Sharpie drawings. Is it, is it like, <laughs> a, like, a draw, like a heavy heavyweight paper, drawing paper? Or uh, just like, like a, a, yeah, drawing paper, like sketchbook paper. Okay. I also just use normal printer paper. Okay. Um, do you all use in Canada, do you all use 8.5 by 11 or do you use A4? Depends on, on what, do you we're, use both? what we're doing. Nobody in this country has A4 paper. No one knows what the fuck it is. Oh, really? When I, when I, when I finished my, my, uh, my thesis in, in uh, Wales, I'd actually come back and had to print a hard copy and mail it to them in Wales. Um, and I needed to find uh, you know, several hundred pages of A4 paper to print it on, yeah. I, and especially because I had to print multiple copies. Yeah. And the thing was 100 and something pages long. Uh, and I went to all the places, even paper shops, asking really? for A4 paper, and they're like, "I, what's that? A, A4? Is that like A1 steak sauce?" And I'm like, "No, no, it's regular paper, man." It's paper. Uh, and then I had a bunch of problems formatting because my I'd written the doc saved in A4, so the margins were different, and everything like that. Right. So you all use both A4 and eight and a half by eleven U.S. letter paper. Um. Jeez, I'm not, I'm not, I, I think it's A4. I think okay. it's, yeah, it's eight and, eight and a half by 11 is very standard. Okay. Printer paper. Okay, okay. And. Because that's not what A4 is. A4 is like, uh, I, I wish if we Is had A4 a bigger or sm smaller? I think it's, I think it's skinnier and longer just by a little bit. The okay. way that they devise that whole thing is by, they have like a sheet that's like a, it's like an A10. I don't know what it is. I'm going to make this up, but like yeah. it's A10 and it's like a meter by a meter square. And then they do, you know what a, uh, what's that thing called? Um, do that curve? Um, shit, this is going to sound dumb on the podcast. Um, it's, oh God, it's, 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 it's like Fibonacci spiral or something like that. Abides to this series of concentric squares. Yeah, yeah, Fibonacci um, sequence. The smoke, the smoke is getting you, in my you eyes. Get, you get smoked out. <laughs> Um, anyway, the a the, the the that system I think is the European system, and they have a whole logical series like metric where it all works out. Right. Where an A4 sheet is exactly one fourth of an A1 sheet, or something like that. I don't remember what it is, okay. but it, it it's like it's like the metric system where it all makes sense. Like you just add ten, you know, add add a significant figure to each time, and it and it gets and it gets you know bigger. It, that's a big distraction. Yeah. The point is, you're not that picky about your paper. No. Okay. I'll, yeah, I've, I've actually done drawings on newspaper. and. Okay. Um, I've, but you draw with a Sharpie, not a pencil or a pen or anything else? I've played around with pencil a little bit here and there, um, and, and charcoal a okay. little bit, um, and different color felts a little bit but for the most part mm -hmm. I can roll with just a sharpie uh -huh. and a piece of paper of any kind and have a great time mm. and then anything else beyond that is is bonus and and more rare mm -hmm. but I, 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 I do have I do need to branch out a little bit 
with my mediums and I and I try to. Mm-hmm. But I'm. It's funny because I'm the same way with juggling. Mm-hmm. I, I don't fuck around with pins or like a whole bunch of balls. I'm very like, I got my three balls, mm-hmm. and it's a very simple setup. And mm-hmm. there's, I just feel like there's so much that I can do with that. Mm-hmm. That I'm like, I don't need to fuck around with all these different yeah. tools. There's, there's, I could play with this stuff right here and go so many different directions with it and not get stuck. Yeah. I could do that forever. Just give me a sharpie and a piece of paper, and it's okay. unlimited. Okay. So. Is there a parallel with your skating in that same mentality? Um. Because y'all seem like you try a lot of different things, and that seems kind of. Yeah. Not, not very similar to what you're talking about with juggling, like. You've, you've skated any rocker you've said you've skated flat you, we were talking before about yeah. skating rocker skates with as much as what a four mil rocker which is yeah severe I have experimented mm-hmm. with a lot of different types of and hockey skates. skates and ice skates I mean you own a pair of ice skates I assume I don't own a pair of ice really? skates that's no that's that's Joey that's okay. Okay. like the okay. ice skater um, but it's also a, a stereotype of Canadians that yeah. you know, like wear a mullet and a and red a red plaid a red plaid <laughs> heavy wool jacket and a Play ice hockey. Yeah. <clears throat> and drink Lafat. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's not true. It's, it's, no, it's I don't not, think there's there not are a good con- There's not a good connection. It's, it, you, 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 you dissociate the two things. I guess I do, yeah. Huh. Uh, uh, in that sense of, like, equipment okay. and different mediums. Okay. Um, I do like to explore different kinds of mediums, but I don't like to have different skates going at the same time. Oh, okay. I think that's detrimental. I think you should have... Well, for me, I like to have one pair of skates that I get really used to, uh-huh. and I restrict myself to only using those skates, like, say, for the season yeah. or for the year. Yeah. And to try to... I See, I've had this conversation with Joey because I was, I've got my big wheels going on right now mm-hmm. and we were talking about like oh are you gonna get an, an aggressive sk- setup this year and a part is, of me is like yeah that would be really fun to mm-hmm. go out and grind stuff and, and do that and I do have that desire but at the same time I'm like I might be better off to to do that st- or try to do as much of that kind of stuff as I can with the big wheels uh-huh. um, instead of depending on my aggressive setup for mm-hmm. okay now I'm capable of doing sliding on stuff yeah. or just go all out with one setup and push that as far as I can mm-hmm. I think I'll get more out of the big wheels setup if I do that yeah. well, because that, there, are, there is a lot of grinding possibilities yeah. with the big wheel stuff yeah I agree I mean you can't do front torques but you can do all sorts of Machio tricks see I would rather in, in big wheels I would probably rather try a front torque or a front nougan than say a front side or backside, because you know you're going to grip. Whereas with a nougat, you're dragging. Even though it's your lead foot, you're dragging the wheels behind the point of contact, which is your boot. Right. So if you get all boot right when you jump on, you won't grip. It's just really hard on the ankles because of the, because the, the, the height of the, the frame height of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really stay away from any like Royale or Favre or any of that crap. Yeah. Because uh, it just you're asking to just really hurt your yeah. ankles. Well, it's, so what's, what's interesting to, to me about, about that, what you're saying, about keeping one pair of skates all the time, is, um, you know, in, around 2000 or so, when the UFS came out, 
it seemed to me and to a lot of other people like it was going to be this big revolution where um, now all of a sudden you're going to be able to have multiple frame setups that you just change out with two bolts. Right. Lickety split, you go to some fat square rail and, well, just to put on the anti-rockers and, and do yeah. it. And no one does. That's, no. that's an application for UFS that just never took off. Right. Um, well, even I, before that, there was there was when I when I was a kid and played hockey and roller hockey, uh, CCM made a pair of skates called CCM Tax, and it had two pins that just pulled out, yeah. and 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 moved around, and you just took the frames out. And what was so awesome about that, for from a rollerblading point of view, is that you could just rotate your wheels on the fly, like oh I've got a chunk on the inside, and I'm sick of hearing that brrr over and over and over. Yeah. Uh, so just. Un- unhook the frames, turn them around, and put them back in, and it was and it was instant. It was I mean it took twenty seconds to do. Yeah. Um, and and UFS think... offered promise like that, and still it nobody did. did it. Well, I think the issue with with UFS is like for an aggressive s- setup with smaller wheels, yeah. you, it is just two bolts, boom yeah. boom, you're done. Yeah. But then if you want to put your power blading setup, oh, you got to take out the middle two to get access to those bolts. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not as as streamlined. But even even still, though, riding say a flat setup for park, and then and then maybe going street skating after that, and you want anti rocker, yeah. With with a lot, of, I mean, with with a lot of them, you you can still get the Allen wrench in there. Although that is a good point. I guess a lot of frames, you if you don't have anti rocker, you you will have to take those wheels out to get access. So you're winding yeah. up doing four bolts. But still, certain setups. We're talking about <laughs> what two, four, six, eight bolts to have a totally new setup. Yeah, so it's pretty if, quick. I wonder if that has to do with people driving to skate spots. It does. Because yeah. if you were skating... It would be more advantageous. But well, you, what I'm saying is if you were skating, you would you would come across something. and be like, well, we're here. Yeah. I might as well get this trick done on this rail now. Let me just change out my shit and then I can do it. Right. Versus, well, we'll come back later in the car. Because it doesn't take any time to drive in the car. I wonder how much driving... Oh, you're getting smoked down. A little bit. I wonder how much. Uh, I wonder how much driving. That would be an interesting sort of case study to look at. How has the automobile affected rollerblading? Because a lot of us, a when lot. we started, we're 15, and we would get dropped off by our moms downtown or dads, and we would skate forever, like from one end of town to the other, like miles. Yeah. During the course of the day, and skate literally every single spot in between. From here in Austin, from way south of the river all the way north to, like, Anderson, which is a, a mile north of where we're at. And the river is four miles south of here? Yeah. I mean, that's five miles one way. That's ten miles round trip, plus all the skating around in between and all the skating at spots. Right. It's That would be an interesting question for, like, a young 14 or 15-year-old yeah. rollblader. I think that's also been affected by the, like, how many skate parks there are now. Mm. I think a lot of kids just go and hit parks. Yeah. And do less, like, when we were kids, we didn't, it was, we would, we would skate all over town and hit a whole bunch of different street spots. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting, that's an interesting topic. I think, Skate parks have affected the experience of skating the same way vehicles have. Or, yeah. Um, do 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 young kids skate as much street as they used to? 
I don't know how many young kids I know. Yeah. I don't I don't know that I know anybody who's under 18. Yeah, me either. That's why... Like, Andrew Broom was our youngest guy, and he was... I guess he's, he's 18 now. He was 17 before. Yeah. Uh, when he... Sort of when he first got to Austin. Um, and it's weird. You know, Jan, Jan Welch has a good friend. His name is Cullen. And uh, I'm, I'm friends with Cullen now, and I've known him now for, I don't know, almost 20 years. Yeah. And he's a BMX guy, and that's how he and Jan met each other in the beginning, way, way back in the day. Um, and Cullen and I were at the bar one time talking, and, and Cullen was saying, you know, I always thought it was really weird that Jan was hanging out with you guys, because he was like 22, <laughs> and you guys were all 14. <laughs> and anywhere outside of skating, or maybe even action sports... It's really weird to be 22 and hang out with 14-year-old kids. Yeah. But in skating, it's not. It's like, well, we rollerblade. And Jan, that was always his answer to Cullen was, you know, when, when asked, why do you why do you hang out with these, these children? He was like, yeah. well, th- we, 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 we rollerblade, man. Like, that's what we do. Yeah. And they're the only other guys in town who rollerblade, so that's who I hang out with. And a couple of us were 17, 18 at that time. Um, but when I met him, I think I was 14 or 15. Yeah. <coughs> and he must have been... 22 or something like that, maybe? I had a really funny experience of skating with a, a younger kid um, that I'd actually met at a skate park. Uh-huh. Um, I was maybe 28, and he was maybe 13, 14, and yeah. was skating at, at this park, and yeah, we hit it off and talked and yeah. skated, and then session was over, and I was like, yeah, you want a, a ride home? And he's like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. So I drove him home and, and dropped him off, and he's like, oh, you want to come in and meet my parents? And uh-huh. I was like, sure. Yeah. yeah, why not? Right. And we walked in, and he, like, introduced me, like, hey, this is my friend uh, Todd. Hey, how's it going? And it was as if I was molesting their child. Wow. Like the the wow. looks that I got were just like Like you're what? some fucking Who creeper. Who the fuck are you? Yeah, wow. And I just I felt so weird. Mm-hmm. And I went home and I told Carly about it and and yeah, I don't I didn't hang out with that kid like as much. Yeah. Or well, ever. I mean, after that it was just Yeah. Like, oh. I mean, being being <laughs> called a pedophile, I mean Everyone, whether you're a pedophile or not, if you're called a pedophile, your knee-jerk response is to say, no, I'm not. Yeah. Even even if you are, even if you're not, you're going <laughs> to yeah. say, no, I'm not. Yeah. Uh, but, but... And it's not like they said that to me. That was just like but the, just the, the look. look. Yeah. And may, who knows? Maybe I was just reading into it mm-hmm. too much, but I'm pretty sure they were really off-put by like this 20s, mid-20s yeah. guy coming in with their kid. Like, mm-hmm. what the what the fuck? <laughs> That's strange, though, because you would think that, you know, if, if anybody listening to this were in a similar position, because you meet young kids at the skate park occasionally. Yeah. Um, I would think that going in and meeting the parents would be the right thing to do. Yeah. You know, if you were some skeevy dude in a van, you, would, you, you wouldn't have gone in to meet the parents. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I mean, and I would imagine that it would be exponentially worse if it were a young girl, say. Yeah. She were, but I would also wonder whether, whether parents would, I, I don't know, I don't want to you know, generalize in a sexist way, but whether whether parents would let their 13-year-old girl just go off to the skate park and find their own way home. I suppose right. it depends on how far away you live from the skate park or if, if your child is accustomed to taking buses or public transit. Yeah. Something that's really interesting, though, on the same sort of similar topic, uh, Jeff Akers was in town yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Um, is he from here? He's from he... Houston. Okay. Um... 
And uh, he and I went to a, a scooter contest, a street contest. And it was the strangest thing I've ever seen. There were there was one guy who was like really badass, and his name escapes me. I can maybe post it in the comments of this yeah. uh, later because I just can't <clears throat> think of his name. Really, really good though. Uh, amazing, can do awesome shit. Like, can do a flare, like a like a sort of a backflip five forty kind of a thing. Yeah. Out like five or six feet out of a five or six foot tall ramp Whoa. that I saw him do. Yep. He also did uh, a, a, a well known rail here in Austin called the Green Goblin, which is an eighteen stair drop off rail that's pretty burly. It's a pretty burly race. It's not as bad as it used to be because they've changed the spot quite a bit. Um, but the, they had about five guys who were sort of, let's say, early 20s or so, and then all these kids, like 40 or 50 kids, most of whom had a parent with them. Whoa. And it was just mayhem. Like, just mayhem. And, and the difference... So it's like, the five guys who were like either pro or sponsored or, or whatever, they're all like Let's say early twenties. Yeah. And then there's no, there's a huge gap, and then everybody else is thirteen. And there's the one guy who was like organized the contest, and he's like really cut fit guy. He's got like pecs and abs, you know, and he's and he's scootering around with his uh, shirt like unbuttoned, like showing off his abs and shit, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there's all these like parents, and he's talking to them like with his shirt undone and his chest out, <laughs> and all these kids are like thirteen. You know, and and <laughs> I was watching this as we were watching the contest, uh, like like this guy was a cult leader. Like they were going, it was a street contest. Yeah. And because they're all young kids, uh, they would sc- like scooter from spot to sp- scoot from spot to spot. Yeah. Uh, and then their parents would literally like follow in the cars, and it's like a regular <laughs> rollerblader contest where there's like cars mugging down the road, but then the kids were all like skating up the sidewalk. Right, and they went all over town, like all over town. They probably scootered from the fir- they met at the skate park, and then from there went to the north end of UT campus, which is about thirty or forty blocks. It's a long way. That's yeah. Let's call it thirty blocks because there's you have to you have to traverse across the town too. Um, and there's this dude, and he's just like scootering down, you know, the sidewalk. And there's this like trail of children, like just, mo- just mobbing down the road behind him. That's so interesting. And he seemed like a cult leader. Well, and, in and that sense, he is. I, yeah, I, I, I guess that's true. But also, <laughs> just that that he had like every sign of being a pervert. Like, <laughs> why do you have your chest out? Why do you have your shirt undone? Why? It's not so hot. It's not like 110 degrees outside where. You'll have a heat stroke if you button your shirt. Yeah. You know? And, and like, none of the parents seem to bat an eye. They're like, this is what my, my son or daughter is interested in. Yeah. And these are the guys who do it, and this is the organizer. Like, Little League Baseball. Like, nobody yeah. thinks that their, their, their kid's hockey coach is a pervert because he's coaching a young kid's hockey team. Right. Whether or not you have a child in the league... Uh, where, you know, here in, in the U.S., almost everybody plays Little League Baseball as a kid. Yeah. Um, and you'll have a guy who's, you know, maybe in college or even high school or maybe out of college uh, or somebody's dad or nobody's dad, a 50-year-old guy. Yeah. And, like, it, nobody thinks that that guy's a pervert. He's just the coach. He's a good yeah, guy, yeah. and he wants to help out the kids and teach them good <laughs> fundamentals and so on. Uh, and yet, with us, it's like... People look at you weird. They look at you funny. Like, why do you want to hang out with thirteen-year-olds? What's 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 wrong with you? Totally. You know? 
Yeah. I mean, even Andrew, um, Andrew Broom, you know, who 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 was staying with me for a while, um, it's weird to hang out with him. Like he's younger than my students who I have as college students. Right. And some of whom are eighteen, nineteen years old, uh, and you know, some some of the guys, you know, smoke cigarettes, and I like have a cigarette. With, with a couple of people after class, and they thought, like, I'm smoking cigarettes with the professor, man. This is so cool. Yeah. Um, uh, but, like, I, I, I wouldn't be opposed to, like, having a cup of coffee with any of my students. Um, but people younger than that seems, like, way young. Because they're already, like, freshmen in college seem really young. And they're real wet behind the ears, and they, they're still finding their way. They're still kind of coming to terms with their identity. Um but and then to skate with somebody who's even younger than that, and especially somebody really talented like Andrew, he seems older, and you kind of mentally mark him as older, right? Because he can hurricane topsail a rail or or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it sort of goes back to Jan saying, "Well, he rollerblades, and I rollerblade, and we we do that together." Yeah. And it doesn't matter how old he is. Um, but still, with the with the parents though, if you take home just out of the kindness of your heart, like, well, I'd hate for you to have to rollerblade all the way home if it's up, yeah, a, a mile or two. Like, just hop in. It'll take me ten minutes to drop you off. Yeah. Versus the hour it'll take you to skate home two miles. Exactly. It's funny. I think it's it becomes acceptable when it's like that coach player yeah. kind of relationship, or even any type of common interest. Mm-hmm. It becomes a little more acceptable. The thing about skating is that it's so informal yeah. that some people might not even see it like that. Yeah. I mean, in the case of the the scooter guy yeah. with all the kids, it was like, okay, that was an event, and, yeah. and they were all there. Obviously, there was a whole bunch of them, so it's, like, organized yeah. and formal. But if that dude had just, like, randomly showed up at one of the kids' houses with his shirt undone, just, like, yeah. giving him a ride home, then it changes the okay. context okay. of it a little bit. I agree then. with that. And that's, then it's like... That's a very this, astute observation right there. Who's this rip dude with my little kid? Yeah. What, what are his motives? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's funny how that context just gets flipped right away. It's yeah. like there needs to be that formal, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, this is my teacher. Yeah, right. of course, teacher, student. That's... <clears throat> and I'm with the, with the Kamloops Hockey Association, you yeah. know, so there's, there's some higher authority that you can appeal to, yeah. whereas if it's just this dude, you know, <laughs> what are you going to call his mom? Like, he's a grown man. What are you going to say to a grown man? Like, yeah. other than stay the fuck away from my kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Versus some, some organization that had a board, you know... And if you had a problem or had a concern, you could go to the board with your concerns. Right. And he's obviously, you know, gone through a criminal check and showed his resumes and interviewed one would, one for this presume. position. Yeah. And... Although, you know, there's been this sort of rash of, of uh, various articles that have come out, say, in the last year or so, um, talking about different rollerbladers who have turned out to be pedophiles. Really? There's, there's, there's about three people, I think, worldwide. Uh, Wheel Scene in, in Scotland ran an article maybe six months ago or so. Um, and they had three dudes. One guy just got rolled recently, and I can't remember what his name was. I can't remember any of their names, to be honest. But yeah. uh, I remember um, uh, Adam... Oh, God. Um, from Philly. Kilgore? Adam Kilgore, yeah. Was very, very vociferous about saying... 
you are not one of us anymore. I will fucking punch you in the face or kill you if I see you kind of thing. No shit. That's really disappointing to hear. I mean, like, obviously there's pedophiles in any group. It's not like I would not expect it. I would think, yeah, I would think that rollerbladers would probably have the same percentage uh, of of everything. Yeah. Straight people, of gay people, of of, of of any particular demographic. For sure. Um, although I think that we do have substantially less women participating than a standard bell curve distribution of women. You know, we don't have yeah. 51% of rollerbladers are women. We just don't. Yeah. We have, what, 5 maybe 10% at the most? Yeah. I would also just think that because of the, like, homosexual stereotypes mm-hmm. of rollerbladers... I would almost think that it would discourage actual, hom- well, not. I get what you're trying to say. I get what you're trying to say. Like if you actually wanted to fuck kids, you would feel uncomfortable rollerblading because you would feel like that was a telltale. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I can't rollerblade. Like people are gonna. Right. I get, need to do karate or something manly. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I need to go molest yeah. kids. Where get a skateboard, and yeah. then no one will think that I'm like. <laughs> yeah. But. I hope that that's not true. I hope that that's not true. I mean, well, I don't know. I'd rather, if there's pedophiles out there who are considering rollerblading, I'd prefer that they stay the fuck away. Yeah. Uh, so and we, and we, maybe we that's an asset. Enough. Maybe that's a, maybe that's just one of those uh, assets we didn't know we had that like we're we're secretly <laughs> driving away the pedophiles from our from our ranks. Yeah, they could really boost our numbers. <laughs> that's interesting that we got onto the topic of pedophiles. <laughs> what led us in that direction? You were talking about the the young kid that you right. took home from the yeah from the skate park. Yeah, that disturbing experience. I mean, well, and, and then I was talking about the scooters, but it was really strange. I mean, um, there's I I don't really have a strong opinion about scootering. I'm 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 disappointed. For instance, like the the most the most adamant or, or the most emphatic I'll get will be to say that I'm disappointed. Um, with the way that um, the, the the younger kids seem to be going to scootering, there's a lot of kids. I mean, we don't. There's not 50, 13 year olds trying to rollerblade, trying to like get my number, trying to introduce me to their parents, or get a, or just say hi at the skate park or rollerblade at all. It's funny. I think in our first podcast, I asked you about scootering, and at that time, you were you hadn't had any experiences with. Scootering. That's part of the reason why I was so eager to go to this contest because yeah. I wanted to see how do they work. Because I've I've done stuff for the for the TSS, uh, which is the Texas Skate Series contest we've had going around here. Yep. Um, and and I just frankly wanted to to I mean if it were skateboarding or BMX or anything I probably still would have gone. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Uh, to just to watch. see how do they organize heats, how do they organize sign up, how do they organize judging, how do they organize their contest. Yeah. Uh, and so it was just an opportunity that I had to go and, and you know watch. Yeah. Uh, how these dudes do a contest, um, um, but the 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 thing just to make make this point real quick, um, what, what's what's to me one of the biggest bummers is that uh, Lake Owen Woodward or Woodward Lake Owen uh, no longer has an inline program at all. Oh really? And they now have skateboarding, BMX, and scooter, and no inline, and wow. that's a bummer. That's I also know that that uh, talking to Richie uh, Woodward West and um, uh, Mike Bennett at Woodward East, um, they now have staff for 
one staff for one staff member for rollerblading, and he I'll say he because I know that it's a dude in, in all the places um, is the counselor, is the director, and is the is the teacher, and they have at Woodward in, in Pennsylvania they have the first seven weeks they offer inline of summer maybe it's the second seven weeks because there's 14 weeks in summer they do the first seven one either Woodward East or West and then they do the other seven at the other place but there's only ever as much as one cabin so maybe 17 kids and they're all in the same group together no matter how good or bad they are if they're just starting out or if they're as good as the teacher or better than the teacher mm. you know who knows um <clears throat> But that that is a, a, a telltale sign, and it's disappointing that uh, that the inline programs have shrunk so much uh, today compared to what they were when I was going there as a camper, yeah. and then when I was a counselor there for years. Is that just because the numbers are I so assume, small? Yeah. I assume, yeah. Yeah, but scootering is blowing up. Yeah. Scootering's huge. It's, there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of parallels between what's going on in scootering now and what was rollerblading in the 90s when it first exploded. Well, I, I, yeah, I think that the, there's the same kind of pattern. Like the numbers just exploded over the last couple of years of yeah. kids on scooters. Yeah. But, and you know, it seems to me that the, the same pattern about that, that happened with us and, and skateboarding yeah. where the younger kids, the 12, 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old guys and, and girls... Um, who were interested in, you know, an action sport, uh, were picking up rollerblades left and right. And, and skateboarding largely perceived that as, a, as, a, as what they say is an existential threat. It's a threat to their existence. Yeah. Um, uh, because they're hemorrhaging numbers to rollerblading left and right. Uh, and, and then you have the obvious bias against these are kids. They don't know the way around a skate park. They don't know etiquette. They don't know that it's not their turn. They don't know the unspoken rules about guys who are twice as good as you get to skate twice as often. Right. You know, and that kind of thing. It's not like, well, you've already been, and I go after you, so it's my turn now. No, 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 son. <laughs> you don't understand. I'm yeah. twice your size, and I'm going. Yeah. If you want to drop in, you're taking your life in your own hands. Yeah. <laughs> if you can drop in. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, it's bothersome when a kid's standing on the rail or he's standing on the ledge that you're trying to skate, and you maybe have to skate all the way across the park to get speed to make that transfer and you've accomplished all that, you've woven through all the people, and then there's some fucking kid there. And for years, it would always be a rollerblader because they were always 12 years old. They were always right in the way. Right. You know, and, and it's been it's been kind of bothersome to see um, how many people have, have been adamantly resisting, scootering, talking shit, you know, yeah. those guys are homos and whatever else. <laughs> um, and we lived through that. You know, we lived yeah. through that too. We should know better. Uh, but we don't. Although I will say that there's there's a lot I think more tolerance from rollerbladers um, than there ever were of skateboarders. Definitely uh, towards rollerbladers. Yeah. Like I think that we a lot of us did learn that lesson, and a lot of us have preserved that knowledge onto our later adult lives. Yeah, we can sympathize more. Yeah. There's all, it's it's funny to see these edits that come out that skateboarders are making. Mm. Like hating on scooters, yeah, and it's the exact same thing as yeah. as what was going on with rollerblading. Yeah, it's 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 funny. I I think it's great. I think I I like to see new action sports and new technology being played with. Mm. I don't I don't like if people enjoy scootering, great. Mm. Like it's giving kids something 
to enjoy doing. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And I don't see it as a threat to our numbers. I see it as well. That's hard. That's hard to. That's hard to. Sports. That's hard to. To. I mean, it, it kind of is. I don't know if it's a threat, but it's definitely having an effect on rollerblading. If you especially compare that. You know, there used to be 10 or 20 cabins of just rollerbladers at any given week at Woodward. Yeah. And now there's one. And now those numbers have flip-flopped where there were no scooters back in the day. Like, I mean, Razor scooters hadn't even come out yet. Yeah. I mean, just the regular ones, not the, like, the ones for doing shit, you know? Right. Um, and and now they have 10 or 20 cabins of scooters per week. And we're yeah. just barely clawing on, hanging on with... Uh, with our one cabin. Right. But our one instruction group. I just don't see it as our lack of numbers or because all these kids are scootering or like well, I mean, it is true that they are doing that and therefore they're not rollerblading. Right. But it's, it's like it's not like our numbers would be that much greater if scootering didn't exist. Uh yeah, I don't know. I'm not saying that it's that's a, a causation yeah. scenario. Um, but it's definitely good circumstantial evidence that it's happening at the same time. Our numbers are, are in the gutter, or, or at least appear to many of us to be in the gutter, yeah. uh, compared to what they were, and, uh, and their numbers are, are boosting. Yeah. And these are presumably the same kids who want to go to the skate park, who want to learn how to do an activity like skateboarding, rollerblading, BMX, scooter... Unicycle. I've I've yeah. I've seen a lot of unicycles. Yeah. At the skate park, uh, and and not the same dude every time. Like. Oh really? There's not like a crew, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Um, and 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 the same thing with the scooters. They don't. I don't seem to see them as crews. And in fact, the Austin scooter scene uh, apparently is is fairly non-existent, which explains why I haven't seen many of them. Hmm. All of these kids who I talked to at this contest that I was at had come here from Dallas or from Houston, both of which are several hours to drive away. Oh, wow. Um, so they're out there, but they don't seem to be here in any real numbers. Right. It's just, it's very accessible. Mm-hmm. It's what it comes, like, you can get a scooter anywhere, and they're not too expensive. Yeah. Well, I mean, a pretty good basic scooter. I don't know, I don't, I'm not... Too up they're to expensive. date with the they're, the they're pricey. The higher end ones, yeah, three hundred to five hundred bucks. Are they? They're fancy. I mean, they're like, fancy. So, so the kids at this scootering event that you went to, did they all have more higher end scooters, like three five hundred dollar? No, I think I think the, the 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 five or so dudes who were really good had the like top of the line shit, right. the five hundred dollar one. Yeah. Uh like the the SEBA, SEBA equivalent. Right. Like um and the rest of the dudes I think generally had more of the price point, like one hundred, one fifty dollar kind of things. But yeah. there's a big, big distinction I think for them, like us with rec skates and aggressive skates, uh, between a standard scooter you could buy at Walmart, which I suppose you could do some of these tricks on. You can get a pair of skates from Target and jump a, a staircase. You won't be able to do it that many times before the skates break, but you can do that. Yeah. Uh, and so most of them, as far as I could tell, had the sort of price point, you know, the Razor's Cults versus the Sebas kind of kind of thing, as far as I could tell. Yeah. I was learning everything I know about it more or less that day. Right. So I'm probably not the best authority. And the entry, the entry point is really, I mean, to, to learn to do it, to learn yeah. how to do it, it's pretty easy, like, to... Pick it up and I would, I would say it's it's 
even easier than than skating to learn to put on a pair of skates maybe so and start skating like I could you grab a scooter it. right now and, and start zipping around like it's fun right like and right. It, it's super fun mm-hmm. it feels mm-hmm. great um, and there's a huge tri- trick vocabulary too yeah because you're combining like the spinning of the bars that comes yeah. from biking and also the the tail whips right um, but well, one thing that was interesting that I learned is that is that uh, they tend to take most of their language from uh, biking, or sorry, sorry, from skateboarding, rather than biking. Where to me, it yeah. seems like you would want to borrow more of the biking vocabulary, and and yet they don't. They tend to um, imagine the bottom of the scooter as the main part, and so it's all board slides of one kind or other. Right. Although I, I think that makes sense for a lot of the grinding type maneuvers. Yeah. Because it it is more akin to skateboarding. Mm-hmm tricks do you think that's also them like the same idea as skiers saying that what they are doing is similar to skateboarding Mm. and they're not as eager to call to call out the similar similarities with to rollerblading yeah i mean i i think that skateboarding is obviously the the kind of the the grandfather of all of it i mean yeah i i really think that there's a there's a gap in the in the kind of his historiography of the whole thing, where um, ultimately uh, the god spring or the godhead should be surfing, uh, right. because surfing begets snowboarding and skateboarding, and longboarding and pool skating eventually, um, and then eventually rollerblading and so on and so forth. If you yeah. if you abide to that schedule of, of events, um, but I really would m- personally want to m- put like a, an asterisk. Or some kind of mark of, of or note of demarcation to say that uh, culturally we're we we're, we're more like skateboarding and, and most of the action sports uh, take their take their lead from skateboarding uh, rather than say surfing, right? Um, because surfing, no matter what its influence, was always going to be limited to the beaches. Yeah, uh, and. Even though a billion people worldwide live within a meter of sea level, um, that means that five or six billion people don't. So most people on the Earth don't live near a beach. Right. Uh, a lot of people do. A, bil- I mean, a billion people. We were talking earlier about climate change. Um, if the if the sea levels rise a meter, a billion people will be displaced. So everybody in New York City has to move. If if the sea levels go up, you know, three feet or thirty nine inches, whatever a meter is. Yeah. Um, so, but skateboarding was in in the center of the country. It was in Kamloops. It was in uh, Colorado and Kansas and Texas and uh, Nebraska and places that didn't have a coast. Yeah. Um, and and culturally, it sort of took off more or less concurrently with punk. And the two of those things kind of came up together. Yeah. So I think it's going to be somewhat natural for all action sports, no matter what similarities and differences they have mechanically to skateboarding, um, to to look and borrow from them because they were here first. They invented yeah. a lot of the front side and back side, 360, you know, naming the number of degrees in a spin, 540, 360, yeah. 180, so on and so forth. Grinding Rather than rails. saying, you know... 
double axle, single axle, triple axle. The we, like we didn't take from figure skating, we took from um, right or, or or gymnastics, which counts spins. Yeah. Um, they say double, single, triple, where we say you know three sixty, seven twenty, whatever's after that ten eighty. Yeah. You know, and we took that from skateboarding. We borrowed that from them. Right. Um, personally, just as a side note, I always think of of. The soul grind is being rollerblading's canonical trick because it's the first trick that we had to invent our own language for, because it's not really topside, it's not really backside, and so the first thing we came up with was far side for that, uh, which we talked about briefly earlier, um, but that's really the first thing where the old language failed us and we had to invent our own way, uh, not just a new name for the stance. It's, it's a conceptually different way of, of describing a spatial relationship between yourself and an object. Right. I'm not putting my butt to it. I'm putting my soul on the top side or my soul on the far side. And that's conceptually very different. Yes. And unique to, to rollerblading. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe to, to BMX as well. They, they have versions of what we would call top side. Yeah. Because um, they can you know, do that now. Gotta stoke up the fire. Stoking here. up the fire. Yeah, we need to get some more shit on here. I didn't realize I'd let it burn down that low. <laughs> there we go. There we go. We get some more heat back in our lives. So I wanted to ask you about um, about your recent departure from one. Okay. Yeah. Um. um yeah. I, I don't know how how. Um, how much anybody knows, but uh, I, I I have left one magazine. I'm not writing for them anymore. Um, there's really no bad blood. Um, I really just kind of felt like we were we were kind of moving in different directions, and so I thought that it would be um, best for me to kind of um, take a step back and, and kind of see where I'm at and see what I'm trying to do and trying to contribute. Yeah. Um, and. I don't know. So you were writing the second place blog, and you did some article, some print articles as well. Yeah, I, I, I done features. I done a couple of features. I did the feature on Andrew Broom uh, in the first um, digital edition that one did. Yeah. Um, in the the print issue, I think number twenty, I did the feature on Jeremy Soderberg. Um, and I'd I'd written second place articles for both uh, prints and digital edition. And and I'll, and you know it was a blog, uh, is its main uh, mode. Um, uh, and then I had written a couple of, of pieces, which I think a lot of people assumed that anything that I wrote for one was second place, because uh, a couple of people had. There was one that I wrote about uh, government. There was two cows. You have two cows. I don't know. I don't know. So a lot of people read that one. Um, and and they're like, man, I, the second place stuff is great. And I was like, well, that wasn't one of them. It's, it's it says second place and has the second place logo at the top if it's second place. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, not not I I wrote a number of things for one features, uh, some regular sort of um, kind of you know the clickbait articles, the top ten list kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, for them, and uh and and then and then the second place blog was separate from that, and the features were separate from that, and all that. Um, but. Um, um, 
So is all the second place stuff going to remain at at one on one? Yeah, I don't, website? I don't, I don't think that there's, I don't, uh, there's no bad blood or anything. I don't yeah. think that that it's going to go away or be taken down or anything like that. I assume it'll still be uh, housed there. Yeah. Um, but you know, like I said, I don't know if I'm going to. Um, I, I probably won't continue if I write anything else. I probably won't continue using that kind of brand. Um, and I've learned a lot over the course of writing all those all those articles. Uh, so so I'm, I'm trying to kind of strike a balance between being sort of super academic and and maybe a little bit more accessible right. uh, in in the way that I explain things. Um, now I've gotten really good feedback from from my audience. Some people have said. You know, man, don't put on the brakes. Just keep like I'll I'll figure it out. If there's hard words, I'll look them up. If there's hard yeah. ideas, I'll look them up. Yeah. Uh, and and other people have kind of said, yeah, I've tried to read them, man. Like I I love you to death, but I I try and I can't read them. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's that difficult balance I think to strike between uh, having having kind of big ideas and being in a position to explain them to people who who aren't graduate students who don't. You know, read uh, Derrida or Foucault for fun. You know, right. I mean, there's such a small amount of people who read uh, full-length articles anyway uh, that that there's an even smaller number who are going to go read Camus or Derrida or, or or any Aristotle. Like nobody sits around and reads Aristotle for fun. I mean, yeah. some of us do, but but you know, it's it's like it's like what I was saying before about you know, you ride rocker skates, I ride rocker skates. Maybe five other dudes in the world ride rocket skates. So we're talking about you know thirty percent of the world who rides rocket skates is sitting here right now and participating <laughs> in this podcast. Yeah. Um, Jeff Stockwell was in town a couple of uh, I guess a month or two ago with Brian Kanowski, who I think that most of the listeners to this podcast will know who Brian Kanowski is. Yeah. Um, from way back in the day, one of the first writers for Senate, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Uh, and and they came down and we we got to hang out. We went to the bar and stuff, and that was a lot of fun. And I was talking to Jeff about, and I was saying, man, you're like we're one of the only people who can really carve your feet, you know, weave your feet together when you're skating fakie, and you ride any rocker, you ride all the way any rocker. He rides yeah. like sixty sevens, and and like either grindstones or, or actual any rocker wheels. Um, and I asked him if he'd ever tried it or considered it, and and you know he, he he thought it was interesting, he thought it was neat, and he had some questions about it, and I talked to him about it, and and it was it was, we'll see, we'll see if there's if there's ever if I get an email back from him ever saying holy crap, holy crap, dude, it's amazing, yeah, uh, or oh my god, I almost got hit by a bus, <laughs> uh, or or whatever, um, but uh, yeah, the, the the point the point is really just that. Uh, it's it's difficult to write sort of really accessible academic papers or, or essays yeah. or articles um, because it's 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 a very small number of people who's going to want to hear about what Aristotle what Aristotle's influence on rollerblading might right. have been. But because are you it's just it's just so esoteric, you know? Right. Are you cool with it, like if you write something and I got four or five people understand what you're talking about and get something really interesting from it do you look at that as a as a success like you know what i'm saying like if 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 it's not very accessible yeah and there's only a few but their experience with it is is really good and deep 
and they those few people are really thankful that you wrote that because yeah well i mean i think that i think that that's that's the moonshot right there to get to get you know five people who really get it who really understand that's fantastic if it's five if it's if it's if it's five or if it's 50 yeah uh that's great and those are great numbers for me um the kind of stuff that I write generally, at least as far as the second place style, um, isn't generally going to be accessible to, or, or even interesting, uh, to, to the vast majority of people. And, and that's fine. I don't need them to be interested. Uh, I do appreciate the people who really want to sink their teeth in and wrap their arms around it and really get a sense of it. Yeah. Um, but something that was, that's really interesting to me is, is a conversation that I had yesterday morning uh, with a buddy of mine who lives here in Austin. And... <clears throat> Uh, he runs he runs a coffee shop and he's a smart guy. He didn't go to college, uh, but he's smart and he reads and and, and all that. Yeah. And he we, we went to to college I think briefly, um, but it didn't pan out and he was happier and making more money, uh, working a regular job. Yeah. Um, but he was telling me yesterday morning about uh, a philosophy class that he took. Um, his I guess his his one of the semesters that he was in college. And they had to read Immanuel Kant, who's a, who's a German uh, philosopher who's very foundational to all of modern philosophy. And um, he had a really hard time reading it. And he went to his teacher at, in, in office hours and said, listen, I had a really fucking hard time reading this, and I don't really understand it. Like, I read all the words, but yeah. I don't think I get it, you know? And she said, that's okay. You don't need to get it. You just need to know that it's out there, and you need to know that this kind of thing is out there and if you want to pursue it that's great we'll welcome you into the you know full of the the community of philosophers w- with open arms because um, you know everybody needs outreach everybody needs some kind of evangelizing to get youth or or, or new blood of, of whatever sort um, but I don't necessarily think that everybody needs to like it or everybody needs to subscribe to it or understand it even no um uh, I do think it's it's valuable, and I wish that more people could encounter it to know, you know, rollerblading has a volunteer linguist. We have a guy. If we have questions, we can ask this guy. Um, and, and that's kind of my position, is I sort of feel like it's it's kind of a community service project. It's enriching for me, right. personally. And, and, and that's how you see yourself, as, as, as the... Um, what term did you just use? Volunteer linguistic specialist? Yeah, it's just like... A, yeah, yeah. I, I'm roller, I, I, I would volunteer as rollerblading's sort of honorary staff linguist right. until there's somebody else who either does it better than I do or who can come along and, and share the burden yeah. or whatever you yeah. know with me but it's just a very it's a unique interest and and that it makes is. it valuable for there to be a person to to I think everyone's pers- perspective is valuable mm-hmm. and yours seem, seems to be very unique so it is really valuable yeah I I I, I Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I, I do think it's good. But also, uh, we were saying before the podcast that, um, you know, one of one of the sort of sort of crusade aspects that I feel about the work that I've been doing is that um, it's, it's important to point out additional reasons that people wouldn't necessarily know to think about. Uh, we talk about rollerblading culture, and that's become part of the, the kind of the zeitgeist of, of rollerblading yeah. to, to recognize that it does have a culture um, but it's not merely in um, in going out and doing grinds or jumps or spins or whatever uh, knowing the language 
is a crucial component, if not the most foundational component, uh, to to any culture. Yeah. So, like I was saying earlier, if you're if you're Welsh, speaking Welsh is a huge part of the Welsh identity, and all all languages are like that. Like um, English is like that. Like British people will say to us. Why can't you just call it a boot? Why do you have to call it a trunk? Why can't you just do it our way? Well, because I'm American and I don't want to do it your way. I want to do yeah. it our way. Yeah. You know, uh, and and I don't want to call it a backside. I want to call it topside because it makes sense to me. Right. It's backside. It's it's not backside. It's topside. We're yeah. different. Yeah. I'm no more British than than, you know, somebody from Germany, uh, like a, or or Japan or anywhere else. Yeah. Um, but but. Being in a position to point out that that language is often one of the most foundational aspects of culture um, means that it's really not that far out to to, to be a, a linguist and to want to to offer insights uh, for rollerbladers to, to listen to because there's more to our culture than just skating. Yeah, us sitting here talking about it is part of the culture. Exactly. Sitting around drinking beer after a skate session and not recording it as a podcast is part of the culture. Yes. Sitting at home with your buddies or by yourself watching videos or now people clicking through the internet watching three-minute sections or edits yeah. is part of our culture. It's part of what we do. Um, and it can be as, as enjoyable and fulfilling as, as the act itself. Sure, yeah. And that's something that I've really learned over the last few years is that mm-hmm. you don't even need to skate to enjoy skating or to be a part of skating. I yeah. Mean, yeah, skating is awesome. I love the activity of it, but it's equally as fun to think about it and 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 examine certain topics related to it and talk to people who do it and mm-hmm. and, and, it's well, and you don't you don't you don't need to be able to do a hurricane topsole down a square king trail to get full membership in rollerblading in my opinion i was saying this earlier in my opinion you count as a rollerblader if you know the language yeah because there are probably many more people who can produce a frontside on rollerblades uh, than can have a debate about about what's wh- whether it's an alley unity or a or a savannah, you know, yeah. being able to have that native speaker intuition is what makes you a rollerblader. Right. It's not your ability. If you can macchio something, that's great. But being able to macchio isn't what makes you a rollerblader. Knowing the language to me is what makes you a rollerblader. Totally. Yeah, being able to communicate with other rollerbladers. Yeah, because I mean, if if you said you know I did a one footed thing. Like, okay, well, you've got a ways to go. Even if you could do the one-footed thing down a big kink rail, which is probably unlikely, but even if you could, um, we place a certain value on being able to know what it's called. We've always uh, uh, had a very strong impetus to have names for things, to make our own language um, and make our own terms and have whole conceptual systems that go along with these um, terms. It's not just terms... In, 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 in abstract, there's a very definite system of thought that, that undergirds all of our uh, concepts. Right. The concept of topside is a whole novel concept that rollerblading invented. Uh, backside is, is less so. That's borrowed more or less straightforwardly from, from skateboarding. Yeah. Um, but it's not just, you know, when, when people think about, like, an alien language, like if aliens came down here, uh, and 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 sat down, and when you were trying to communicate with one, you know, you would oh, you point to your cigarette and say, "This is cigarette." What would you what would you call this in your language? Yeah. And they don't have a word for cigarette, and 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 even if they did, okay, fine, but that doesn't get you the understanding. Understanding yeah. the grammar of a language 
is just as important because there's just as much meaning in a grammar uh, as there is in, in a vocabulary or a lexicon. So the way that we say uh, half-cab topsole, right, it wouldn't make sense to say topsole half-cab. We don't, we don't use that grammar. Yeah. Um, any more, any more than any other out of out of out of uh, out of order sequence would would make sense. You wouldn't say upset. I am going, or or, or, or well, that didn't I didn't I didn't make a sensible amalgamation there. But but um, down sit I doesn't make sense. Whereas I sit down makes sense. Yeah. And so the order of the words, the grammar of the language matters also. And rollerblading has invented its own grammar to go along with our language, and that's why it's not merely just. Um, a separate lexicon where we just have different words for things. Like, oh, in skateboarding they call it 50-50 and rollerblading we call it frontside. It's more than that because we have a separate grammar uh, from other activities and from right. language in general. And it's, it's, it's crucial to have that language to push things forward or to open the door for other people to learn those things. Mm -hmm. If we didn't have those things labeled and we were still trying trying to yeah. say like, oh, I did the grind where the side of my foot, and like it's really well, cumbersome to describe yeah. it. As soon as you can define it, mm -hmm. then it opens the door for more people to jump in it. Like I'm having this thought where, okay, we've done a great job of, def of defining a lot of these grinding maneuvers. Uh -huh. um, I have this whole set of, I, I call it pivoting mm -hmm. maneuvers. I guess it comes from cone skating or slalom skating. Yeah. But there's a lot of pivots and a way and different ways to turn mm -hmm. that don't really have names. Yeah. So I, I actually sat down one time and wrote the wrote names uh -huh. for all of these different types of pivots, uh -huh. and I should really publish that somewhere so that people can, if they're interested, they can study those and yeah. and label them and then even for describing what I'm thinking in my head to someone if they mm -hmm. understand what a warrior pivot or a wizard pivot uh -huh. is and what yeah. that means it makes it more efficient and it facilitates new ideas related to that right well yeah um, what immediately comes to mind is the um, some people call it shuffle and yeah. some people call it uh, wobble walk I think where you like you're skating forward and you turn one your back foot backwards yep. and then jump forward again. Yeah. John Elliott, I think, made it made it kind of brought it to the fore. Um, totally. And I th I think he called that body shuffle. Um, yeah, I think body shuffle came before shuffle. It was just reduced. Well, some people were saying shuffle for Cessna back in the day. That's true. Yeah. Like where you would do Royale shuffle in. Yeah. Was a way of man. You're really getting smoked down. Oh, it's all right. Is it just gonna follow you? We're, we're negotiating. <laughs> I become the smoke. the smoke magnet. Yeah, it's cool. Um, but so so it's not that we don't have a precedent for that. We have, we have had descriptors for unique ways of turning. Right. Um, yeah, for sure. But you but know, you're you're pointing out that there are many spin. more many more than that one. We've yeah. got med spin. We've got body shuffle. Uh, we have some weird ones like like uh, side surf. You know where you where you skate open book. You know what I mean? Do y'all call it That's funny. Or? We call it crab walk. Crab walk. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure that there's regional variations just like, you know, in Australia, uh, Shifty was a Royale. Yeah. And, and other similar kinds of uh, regional differences like that. Totally. Yeah. But I just, I do feel like there's a, a large 
there's a lot of stuff that's unnamed. Yeah. Well, that, that we knew that we do need to define, and that's yeah. really important. Yeah, I agree. I agree. For for those things to be pushed and to become more adopted by more skaters, it, once there's yeah. a name for it, yeah, it, more people are like well, it more draws attention to, to it. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think that that goes back to what I was saying about my buddy, who about about Emmanuel Kant. You don't need to know it. You don't need to understand it. You need to know that it's out there. Yeah. So that if somebody, you know. Um, if somebody hears this podcast and they think, okay, well now now the the burden is on Todd to publish this list so that we at least at least have a starting point. Yeah. Um, and one thing I want to say this and this leads right into the next question that I have for you, um, is 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 this? It's it's massively important, and and our predecessors, including Dave Payne, were very very good about not trying to force things on people. Uh, and, and one thing that's always true about language is that um, there's never an official version. People have tried in rollerblading again and again. Daily Bread had a big push at one point to uh, take out the alley-oop when you say true spin. So they had a whole page article at one point saying, really? you can't do a true spin alley-oop mizu, it's just true spin mizu. Right. And they were adamant. And, you know, Daily Bread, um, with its kind of uh, religious overtones at times uh, and a lot of that I think came from, from Angie um, but there's there's a kind of a need to control things uh, that, that just doesn't bear out in language that right. the British can't control the Americans from saying trunk instead of boot no they can't they no. can't stop us and, and it, it takes on a life of its own really mm-hmm. but I, th- I do That's think right. there needs there needs to be a starting point absolutely, or, absolutely. like absolutely. I, w- I wouldn't be bothered if other people wanted to take them and and modify sure, the yeah. names. Just I think calling out certain maneuvers and drawing attention to them and yeah. giving them a starting point name is valuable on its own. Right? Totally. Yeah. yeah. Just giving people an understanding of that. Yeah. That that those ideas are out there and that they are available for the regular processes of change and modification right. uh, and adaptation and acceptation and so on and so forth. Yeah. All those things are like any 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 martial art. Yeah. Would be nowhere if they didn't have a. Uh, language for their maneuvers. Like, yeah. how do you teach something that you have no language? That's a for? very interesting question because you know rollerblading is something that largely isn't taught. Most of us learned on yeah. our own. We didn't have. We were talking before about the hockey coach. Yeah. None of us had a rollerblading coach, and it would almost be weird if we did. Yeah. You know. All right, son. Let's do fifty royales, and then you can move on to switch royale. Yeah. Some of us skate that way. Uh, in Austin, a lot of the guys we do we do a game called there and back where you have the box or the rail or whatever it is that you're skating, and you do it one way, and then you have to do it back for it to count. So it plays like a regular game of skate, but you have to do the trick both ways for it to count once. Do you know what I mean? Right. So it's right foot sole and then left foot sole, right foot royale and then left foot royale. And you have to get both for that trick to count to be put to the next guy for him to have to do. Nice. Yeah, Um, yeah, that's... and that, that would be a great like, game for beginners. That feels like training in yeah. some ways. But but yeah. to a lot of uh, uh, us, especially the older guys in Austin, we just think that that's hilarious fun. I was always the kind of person who got bored doing it one way. and Well, let's see if I can do it the other way. Right. Spinning, never really, uh, I never really got there with spinning. But the same guy that I was talking to about, Emmanuel Kant, was talking to me yesterday about um, some friends of ours that we have in common, uh, one of whom is in a band who he thinks is really shitty. And the reason he thinks that they're shitty is not because they're bad musicians, but because they haven't surrendered to their art form. 
and really just let it guide them and let it tell them what it wants them to do, like as a as a vessel uh, for the music. Um, and so I'm thinking about that in my own skating, and I'm thinking to myself, I need to I need to be doing switch by forties. I need to be doing switch true crime grind. I need to be doing switch true spins in general. So I'm gonna I think I'm gonna try to start learning, try to actually consciously try to surrender in a way to rollerblading and say to myself. It's going to look bad. You're going to fall down. You're going to fall on your back. You're going to fall on your face. You're going to fall on your side. You're going to fall every direction that you can th- that I've already done. Yeah. It's bothersome to go out and skate and not fall and just do tricks that I know that I can do. Yeah. Because one of the things that's most fun to me about rollerblading is to learn a new trick. Even if it's, right. even if it's, a, trick, if it's a trick that I've never done or if it's a trick that I've done in the past but haven't done in 10 or 15 years. Uh, like I did, I did True Spin Misfit the other day. And it's my natural true spin to my switch misfit. I misfit with my left foot as the sole. And I've done that down very big things and very good things. Yeah. Uh, and I'm good at that trick in general. Uh, it's kind of the bane of my rollerblading because <laughs> um, when I was able to do it really early on. And uh, so most of the videos that I'm in, I'm only doing misfits. And so I kind of look like a one-trick one, one pony. Yeah. Uh, because every video that I was ever in, or a lot of them, I was doing a misfit. Yeah. And uh, man, I could do I could do eighty or ninety other tricks, you know, for real. But that was the one trick. But that, that was the one that would be was like unique and not like a lot oh, we've already got a hundred guys doing top sole. We don't need yeah. you doing a top sole. People yeah. assume that if you could do a misfit, you could do a top sole. But I'm like, yeah. it's not always true, man. There's a lot of people who could do some gnarly shit, but can't do a more basic trick. Exactly. Um, and and I'm somebody who really prides myself on my basics, but I never really got. Nobody wants to include me doing eight unities yeah. on a mini ramp. Yeah. You know, or eight iterations of, of Unity just because who cares? Let's put the misfit. That's better. Nobody else can do it. No one else does it, yeah. Um, so it's, 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 it's it, for the entire sequence for the true misfit, it's my natural way to do it, but it's the natural spin to my switch mistrial, which is, or misfit, which is a very, un, an unnatural misfit is a very unnatural feeling trick to me. Yeah. Because it's my switch uh, sole foot and it's my switch nougan foot. Whereas the other one, the left foot way, it's my nugan foot is my right foot, and my sole foot is my left foot. So it's like a perfect, perfect harmony. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of wandered off. Um, <laughs> what I was saying before is that um, um, it's Im- it's important that number one, you write down these things and put them up. Write write it down. Yeah, yeah. You know? I plan on it. Yeah. And and and. I mean, ideally, if you could do it elaborately where there's a video clip or there's a GIF or something yeah. where it can show, like, okay, this, you do this in this way. and <coughs> Explaining the body movements. Showing the body movements, yeah. yeah. And then offering a name, uh, but, but, but ethically having the understanding that those names are somewhat tentative. Yeah. Um, because you don't have jurisprudence and governance over the life of those terms. No. Um, which, yeah, I wouldn't really care. You know, yeah. that's not the purpose of putting it right, up. Right, to get it out there and to sort of just raise awareness, awareness that these yeah. things can be named. And there are many more of them than just the body shuffle and the med spin. Exactly. Um, I think that that's great, and I would definitely encourage you to do that. And that would open the door to, to more yeah. tricks in, in that direction. And things that you haven't thought of. Yet. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I encourage anybody out there who has things that they do that haven't been labeled or yeah. defined to just put it out there somehow. Yeah. 
to yeah, describe and, it and, and, and engage it in dialogue, there. engage yeah. the community in a dialogue. I think that that's paramount. And offer like uh, we've started to do. We're gonna start doing it more the how tos. Uh-huh. Um, I saw. I think I that's saw really important. The one. Yep. Yeah. I think that's really important to do how to videos on things that people don't talk about much, and to offer like tips and tricks on how to execute it and get mm-hmm. people started if, if they are interested. Yeah. Even if it is only a few people in the world that are like, ooh, yeah, I'm going to try that. Well, our, our sl- Reddit, r slash rollerblading, uh, would probably be very interested in that because uh, their community has a lot of aggressive skaters, but they also have um, a lot of... I hope it's not rude or pedantic or offensive to call them regular rollerbladers, but yeah. recreational... Uh, skaters or, or cone skaters, anybody of that sort, I would be interested to actually see if those guys have a community anywhere and see if they've already got names that we yes. could then borrow back. Yeah, I think some of the pivot points that I'm talking about, they do come from okay. cone skating. Mm-hmm. From uh, That's when I learned them. Was um, That's wh- where I got the term pivot points, okay. is from cone skating. And okay. there is a dictionary of different... Okay. I, yeah, I should a research lexicon. if uh, lex- Yeah, I should see if there's terms already made. Mm-hmm. Um, it's well, just it interesting to modified. yeah. It's just interesting to take them out of the slalom skating context and mm-hmm. open it up to just like, okay, you can do this into a grind, or you can do this off On flat into ground. a jump, yeah. or you know, like all sorts of things, and it doesn't mm-hmm. need to be restricted by going around the cone or, yeah. or whatever their mar- their standard is. Yeah, you know, um, but probably the terminology would be the same. There's a, there's a trick that's that that's a that I really like in skiing, um, that I was probably the most thrilled with when I learned it, um, and I may be getting this a little bit wrong, but it's uh, I think they call it butters or buttery, where What's you so you're riding up like a big launch ramp, like a big eight foot kicker, right? Yeah. And right at the very end of it, you turn fakey and ski off the tips of your skis and then say fakey three or fakey five. or. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's called butters or buttery or something like that. Yeah. Um, and when I learned how to do that on, like, basically on a, on a traverse, because um, there were, there were uh, ski boarding videos where guys yeah. would sort of do that and ride it for a second and then use that to kind of spring a fakey three off of. Yeah, it's such a fun trick. It's such a fun trick. It, it's like I would put that up there with being able to do my first big rail on skis and being able to five forty my first big jump, like thirty forty foot jump on skis. Yeah. being able to do that little trick was just so awesome, and it feels so. It just feels so, you know, fluid and nice. and, yep. and 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 you, you feel talented. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I think the the worst days I have rollerblading. Are, are days where I decide I want to do something more or less off the cuff. Like, I don't I don't go into the day thinking, okay, I'm going to learn such and such trick today, yeah. try it 50 times until I get it, and then do it three times and say, okay, I did it three times in a row, that means I've got it. Um, just deciding off the cuff, oh, I'm going to try uh, Switch True Top Soil right now. And and being able to do that, it, just to make something up and then go execute, that to me is one of the most enjoyable things in rollerblading. Totally. And, and, and contrary-wise... Uh, if if I fail at that, it's the worst. <laughs> like if I just decide, like the other day, I was like, oh, I'm gonna do. Uh, what am I gonna do next? What are you true porn? Okay, true porn. Let's do true porn. Yeah. 
and go up. It was just getting clobbered, clobbered. That's like a trick that I've, I could do. I've done it on real stuff, like real rails, and I'm trying to do it on my stupid grind box, and I could. I was getting fucking clobbered. Yeah. And it was so frustrating. It so is frustrating. frustrating, yeah. Because I just decided right then that I wanted to do it, and the most enjoyable thing is to be able to just do it right then. Yeah. And if you just can't, that's just the worst. It's just the worst. It feels so bad, and you get so down on yourself, and you think, God, I should be able to do this, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think it's I think it's the worst to like get stuck on tricks oh, and yeah. and try to do them over and over and not be able to do them. Yeah, I think you're better off just like give it a couple tries. If it's not working out, move on and and move on to something else. Like, well, I mean, there's there's that, but I also I also have um, I w- when I did the 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 um, the uh, the AMA on on Reddit on R slash rollerblading. Yeah, uh, I got a really good question from a guy, and he said. Uh, if you if you had the knowledge you have now, if you could go back in time to when you were younger, uh, what would you do differently? Or oh, that's a great know? question. Um, and I, yeah, I thought it was a fantastic question. And and yeah. one of the things was, was that I that I remember saying in my response was, um, if I could tell myself a couple of these tricks that I was this close to doing, give it give it three more tries, man. Just give it three more, give it five more, give it another half hour. Yeah. You know, keep trying it. Like there's a there's a rail here in Austin that's 50 stairs long that I was backsliding. And I was like five stairs from the end, and oh. the same rail I was misfitting. I was like two stairs from the end. Like literally came off, step like plop plop, stared for two stairs and then landed on my feet and rolled away. Yeah. And just like, oh, I, there's no way I could do that now. There's no way I could go misfit a fifty stair rail. And I didn't do it back in the day, but if I'd given it ten more minutes, if I'd given it another half hour, I could have had it, and I would be able to say, see that rail? I fucking misfitted that shit fifteen yeah. years ago. And, and you so, might have locked that trick in even more. For, yeah, maybe for so, maybe years. so. But um, you know, it's 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 something to say. You know, oh, don't get stuck on it, move on. But there's those occasions where you just think to yourself, oh, I'll never That's be able to do this. that again. Yeah. If yeah. I could have just told myself, give it, give it 15 more minutes, man, you're never gonna be able to do it again. And and I worry about that as far as getting older and getting more and more out of shape. You know, is is every time I skate, is it? Is this the last opportunity that I'm going to have to be That's able to... That's a scary thought. ...to true misfit something? Yeah. And I don't think it is. I mean, most of the stuff on the box I think I could continue doing for another 10 years. Because yeah. I'm not doing... I'm not, I'm not doing full cab true fish, you know? Um, but it's it's tantalizing because it's, it's a balance issue, again, because on the one hand, yeah, don't just clobber yourself doing a trick because you're going to reinforce bad habits and you're going to keep falling and it's going to get worse and worse and you're going to get down on yourself versus give it 10 more minutes, man. Give it 10 more minutes. Right. You got to pick your battles. And sometimes I, I sometimes picking, it yeah. is worth it. That's, that's a good expression for that. Sometimes it is worth the just... Determination and... The anger and yeah. frustration. And the pain, you like, through. you know you're yeah. going to hit your shit in the same place. Yeah. <laughs> that bruise isn't getting any smaller, you know? Sometimes you can just sense, like, that it is at your fingertips. Yeah. But then other times I, I watch people do that, and I'm like, you know, you're, 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 you're 10 he's, miles away from doing that. What trip. is he doing? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> so I guess it's up to the person to gain that intelligence of, like, if that is an what they can yeah. do yeah. versus what they're just reaching for. I mean, at, but, but at the same time, there is value in reaching way over your head. Mm-hmm. And even if you're not coming close, yeah. so what? Like yeah. you, by trying to do something that you're not even close to doing, you're gaining 
knowledge of falling, That's knowledge right. of some weird intelligence of and of your own determination and your own frailty and your own ability to succeed. It's 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 immense. Yeah, it, it really is. Yeah. Um, so I would never. I would never. Don't take my advice. Mm. <laughs> I'm just giving myself advice. Really, I would never tell someone what to and what trying, not yeah. to do. I always have a problem when when young people ask me to like even give advice about what they're doing. Uh-huh. Like I'll do it in a like a video format. Yeah. But in in person, I just have trouble with mm-hmm. teaching. It just because I didn't have a teacher. None of us had teachers or coaches. Right. So I just find that whole relationship to be right. awkward and yeah. It's like I see it as like it's not right. Yeah. Even well, that's just my own upbringing. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, when, when I was when I was a you got you got to just figure it out on your own. You yeah, just got to just got to just go yeah. for it. Well, that's that's, that's kind that's of the right the of proper passage. way. To, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's not the like who. There's no proper. Well, there's, there's a no lot right of. I mean, I mean, I the last the last thing that I wrote. Uh, well, no, not the last thing I wrote. The the first uh, thing that I wrote for second place this year was the Modernisms post, where I was dealing with grabbed and ungrabbed backslides. Yeah. And I'm saying that there's a parallel between the the named ungrabbed no grab backslide is a right. meta modern concept. Yeah. Where it's 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 both um, within and beyond and between simultaneously the grabbed backslide and the ungrabbed backslide. You're actually having to take a third step and say, "I'm purposely not grabbing my foot." Is a totally right. different idea than to just grab it because that's what the rules are, which is very modernist. Versus, "Fuck you! I don't have to grab shit. I fucking do what I want," you know. Yeah. And that's a very postmodern. There's no rules. I can do whatever I, you know. I fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah. Postmodernism means fuck you. That's all right. it means. It means there's no yeah. rules. That nothing is real. Like fuck these like. False structures. Yeah, the, yeah, not, yeah. There isn't a bad barrier. Exactly. You guys are just. You guys, you guys, you guys are just a bunch. Of, you got a bunch of broomsticks up your ass, and you can yeah. fucking toss my salad. Yeah. Uh, versus the 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 need to to live in between is the meta modern where you have to say, I understand there are those of you who think that you have to grab. I understand there are those of you who structurally think that you have to say in advance what you're going to do because that's part of it. Yeah. Calling it in advance is its own thing. Right. Like the the famous Babe Ruth home run, where he calls it, he points to the he points out to the outfield and said, "Next pitch, you throw me. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, throw me that ball, and I'm gonna fucking hit it over the fence. Put it over there. And I don't. You throw it on the ground, and I'll still get it. Yeah. And so it's this it's this great moment in kind of Americana, where you know, the pitcher like tried to give him some nasty curveball, and he still just teed that motherfucker right out. And like yeah. that's that's a demonstration of just pure badassery. Yeah. And that's. <laughs> That's one of the reasons why you know Babe Ruth and others like him enjoy such a uh, a large cultural uh, uh, um, fame, fame, sure, yeah. yeah, legend status, yeah, the legendary. I mean, to do that, to go into a major league baseball game, it's next ball. Yeah, I'm calling. That's crazy. You know, that is crazy. But that's that's what you do when you when when we play these games of skate and games of blade, and you say grabbed backslide. Right. You're saying I'm gonna get it. I'm doing it right now. First yeah. try. Here we go. Uh, and and you you were trying to kind of, um, kind of kind of borrow from that same sensibility for calling it in advance, saying I'm so good that I can guarantee you that I'll do it this try, and right. I'll specify all the details: half cab, backslide with a grab, three out to the left. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I can I can really respect that. Um, 
that approach uh-huh. and when it, when it's executed and it's like I'm gonna do this and mm-hmm. I plan like I'm mm-hmm. planning it in advance and I'm gonna execute it exactly what I'm saying mm-hmm. but at the same time I can see that attitude as being detrimental because there are a lot of beautiful accidents that can happen if and only if you are open to the accidental right and not too rigid in your like this is what I'm going to do and it's exactly like because often like you'll see someone do some kind of interesting slip up uh-huh. and then as soon as they start to do as soon as they start to waver from their original plan mm-hmm. they just stop it's like oh no I'm this that is, wasn't what I was planning but if they had a more mind like water type situation uh-huh. going on uh-huh. then they could have turned this little slip up and you see this in some of like Sagona's uh-huh. like early into skating. a bench half cab and or something. some kind of accidental thing turns into this beautiful movement and they right. come out of it and it's like, whoa, like whether you yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. meant to do that or right. not, that right. was fucking awesome. Right. You know? The, the flip side, though, of that coin is is the, the sort of trend, say, 2000 to 2005 or so, where you had sort of what, what people used to call ballet switch-ups. Right. Where a guy would do eight or ten switch-ups on a 25-foot rail yeah. where he's grinding each trick for maybe three feet or less, you know? And I think that that was more or less put to bed with people like Ryan Northway and Jeff Stockwell who who, who kind of confoundingly brought it back or, or killed it in a very interesting way, which was to bring back the step-over or the, the, the step, you know, the one-two version. Or like budget. Where they would do, yeah, budget, yeah. Torque soul to torque stepping over to forward porn or the reverse of that. Yeah. You know, porn to torque to, to torque soul. Um, and and that, in my mind at least, in my kind of historical narrative, uh, put put the kibosh on these, oh, I'm losing my balance, let's throw in a fucking alley top soul. And then like, oh, I'm leaning this way, let's throw in a switch rail. Yeah. And, and, it, and it came across as very... Um, Unplanned, but but to a fault, hmm. you know. I think yep. that there's a, a, a different where, like for instance, if you're doing a soul down a rail, right, just a regular old soul, and then you throw in a backslide at the last foot of the rail, I'm like, well, you didn't really do a backslide, man. Like you really just kind of kicked it at the end there, you know. Right. And and that's what you kind of get with that sort of spontaneity, where you had that thought on the rail, you were like, oh, what if I backslide now? That'd be right. cool. Yeah. But you waited too long. Like, it took your brain too long to process that. And so then you stick in this backslide at the end and like, eh, I don't know about that backslide, yeah. man, you know? Yeah. And a lot of us... It can go the, bad. Oh, definitely. The old school... A lot of the old school guys are fairly adamant about, you know, if you're going to do a switch up and you're going to do two tricks, the switch up has to be at the halfway point. Right. If it's an 8-foot rail or if it's an 80-foot rail, if it's an 80-foot rail at 40 feet, then you switch up and do, you know... If it's if it's uh, Royale to Alip Topsol, you Royale the first half and then Alip Topsol the second half, and that means that you're badass. But you know if you do Royale and then like oh let's throw in an Alip Topsol here where there's no threat of dying, you know because if you miss both feet you still can like flop your legs over, get them underneath you and roll away. Yeah. You know, and so so I think that, that spontaneity it's it's again that same idea of balance where a certain amount of planning uh, gets a lot of street cred. Totally. You know, where if you looked like I did this elaborate thing on purpose. Yeah, and well, but but then that's you a have part the same, of the... the same thing that you're saying about Dominic. 
getting all wooky and off balance, and then pulling out some wall ride or something out and of the it, deal. And it's amazing. And, it, and it's it's it, a beautiful movement. I think is what you said. But it, it, but it is important almost to make it look purposeful, even if it is an accident. Yeah. There has it, like. Right. You need to almost fool people well, into Dominic, thinking that's perfect. And my point is yeah. that my point is that it it can it it's easier than people think to make it look purposeful yeah. if you have the that proper attitude yeah, going I, I was, into it. Where exactly you where you are open to those little slip ups. And, right. Right. That's that, that famous uh, line from from Pee Wee Herman where he says, "I meant to do that." <laughs> yeah. You know. And 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 there's I think that Dominic has. A certain kind of stature where, you know, he's gonna roll away, and you're gonna believe that he's content with it. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't put. He doesn't give you any signals that that was some half baked shit. Totally. Totally. Like, yeah. That was the shit. That was the shit. Yeah. yeah. And and having that ability to come off of shit like with that confidence and that no. arrogance because I've, I've seen people do it is, really it is, it, awesome stuff it's the gray area between confidence and arrogance I think well I've seen people for instance do like a really cool trick or thing uh-huh. but then they come off of it and their body language tells you that it was a slip up and it nah yeah. that wasn't what I was going yeah. for they, yeah. they don't come off with that swagger that, right. that thing and that is what tips you off like oh okay you fucked up yeah. but if he had only come off of it just Juiced, confidently yeah. and like yeah. what? Yeah, yeah. It would have been like, oh my god, that was yeah. awesome, man. Yeah, I I really liked in the I, I don't remember which um, mind game video it was, but there's a it's Dustin Latimer and he jumps on this rail. It's like there's like a long ditch and he's doing a frontside and he's clearly trying to make it to the down and then jump off. Yeah. And he only makes it to where his one foot goes over. I know and he what has you're to talking about. Up, yeah. And he's going oh, oh. And he's like holding his arms out. And 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 I really loved it that they included that because yeah, yeah. it it kind of it helps show his humanity that like totally. he's Dustin Latimer and he still couldn't grind all the way like you might be able to go do it he's Dustin Latimer and he couldn't do it but he's bummed about it he's like oh that was I was just like you can tell was that really all, cool. all yeah. he wanted was his back foot to go over that kink yeah and he actually he jumped. so close I mean the rail the the down portion of that is so small yeah that his front foot is almost to the end but his back foot hasn't crested the kink. You know, right? And and so that's all he wanted. He only needed six more inches. Yeah. But but that six inches in his mind meant that it didn't count. He didn't do it. He didn't yeah. do it to his satisfaction. And, and that was interesting because what he did do was pretty cool. I mean, he grinded for quite a ways. I mean, it was a long flat to drop, which, which, and he he did land it and all that. Right. But it wasn't exactly. But it comes across what he saying like, like oh. with all that body language saying, fail. Yeah. Fail. Yeah. Son, I'm disappointed. Yeah. Um, and that was interesting that they included it because usually. That would get chopped in the editing. Yeah, it's uh, like oh, he didn't get what he wanted to do, so right. chop. Right. So right. it is cool. Yeah. Um. But so so we 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 we've we've come away, which is fine. But I wanted to go back a couple of paragraphs and, and yeah. say, uh, along the same lines of you putting out a list of the of the terminology for uh, different pivots and things. Um, this is a question that I asked to Joey when we did our when I I did my reverse podcast. Start up again, and we can okay. piece them together. Okay. Yeah. So are we live now? <laughs> yeah, we're back. Okay, we're back. Okay. <laughs> so, so the 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 um, prelude to this was uh, that I asked this question to to Joey uh, in the last one, and that was more of a kind of a classic uh, reverse podcast. I, right. I know that you hesitate to say interview, yeah. Um, but 
let's just agree that it was a reverse podcast. Yep. Where where I was doing most of the the, the question asking, let's just say. Yep. Um, and so this hasn't quite panned out that way because we're you know. Gavin. Well, yeah, it's fun. It's great to have you here. It's great to have you at my house. It's it's I would never have expected, on on like if you if you told me a month ago that you'd be sitting here and we'd be doing this. I would have been really shocked. Yeah, you know, I'm Camp Loops is so so far away from here. Yeah, I mean, you you really come what two or three thousand miles to get here? Yeah, pretty far. It's it's a long ass way. Yeah, and it's not like I get out much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the odds of this are yeah, pretty slim. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, so so the question is, um, do rollerbladers have any responsibilities to rollerblading? Um, and 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 maybe maybe a secondary follow up to that will be something along the lines of do you imagine yourself as having any responsibilities to rollerblading? Right. So, so whichever one or both of those you feel like. Yeah. Okay. Like. Well, I'll start. Geez. I think we are, as rollerbladers, we're responsible for whatever we want it to become because rollerblading is comprised of people doing things. So if we want it to become something then we we need to make it such. Okay, so it's up to us. It is, yeah, it's up to us. Um, it's not up to a they that's out there. No, there is no they. There's no head of rollblading. Right. We're just this big organization, or, or, sorry, organism that's comprised of all these different individuals. Mm-hmm. And if we, if we want it to be, it's up to me type thinking. Yeah. Um, but... At the same time, I find resp- the word responsibility to to be kind of a heavy word, and to and and the word doesn't it doesn't it uh, imply that the person you're responsible to isn't capable of doing it themselves? I don't know. Like I'm responsible to take care of my child. Yeah. She doesn't have the ability to feed okay. herself and to shelter herself. Mm-hmm. Um, so. If I use that same logic, am I responsible to other rollerbladers? I would say, no, I don't have any responsibility because I would say they are responsible for their own thoughts and their own uh, path Mm -hmm. in this rollerblading career or life. Um, I would replace the word responsible for, like, just what I would like to offer and give not that I don't think people need it I don't think people need me so I don't so you know I, yeah I don't feel well not well you're mapping this off of off of your daughter right so right so in that way that they couldn't do it for themselves she can't feed herself and bathe herself and, and educate herself from her bootstraps before yeah. she can wear she, boots she needs me right of literally course. Like, yeah yeah the, the, the with without her she would Let's not even go there. Yeah. Um, so, but but, I, I suppose I suppose what's what's embedded I guess in my mind in a question like that, is is whether whether you consider yourself to be any kind of a leader in the rollerblading community, and I think in some ways you are because a lot of people listen to you and your opinions on your podcast. Yeah. And so, while. I agree with you that rollerbladers can think for themselves and can feed themselves and clothe themselves and. Right. Wipe their own butts and change their own diapers and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, not everybody has a podcast. Not everybody has the influence that you have. Yes. And so, 
I, I don't know that it's necessarily the same exact scenario where it's not that these people can't go do a soul grind on their own without you teach or, or learn how to do a swivel or learn how to do any of the other things. Yeah. But as a leader, or at least as as uh, any other term that you would prefer, I, I thought actually about about posting on my on my Facebook wall before we did this. Yeah. You know, rollerblading celebrity Todd McInerney at my house right now. <laughs> you know, uh, because you are. And whether you prefer leader or celebrity or or even personality, uh, or or leader or something, <clears throat> you're definitely something. We could we could sit around and, and come up with what term you'd be comfortable with. Right. Um, but um, most people don't have a podcast with a, a large following like Mushroom Blading has. Right. Um, most people haven't been listened to by a third of rollerbladers. You know, I don't know how many people yeah. listen to your podcast, but everybody knows who you guys are, and it's basically you and you and Joey, and a couple of sort of dudes on the side, a couple of regular guests. You know, Kevin Dowling, uh, Jake Barnes comes on. Uh, who else? You've, you've, you have uh, uh, Leon, and a couple of other people who come on fairly regularly. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's still y'all. You two are the core of this. Right. And so, you know, I wonder if it's a little bit unfair to say. To to you to borrow the metaphor of your daughter because we're not saying that these rollerbladers can't rollerblade without you, but you do exert a certain influence on rollerblading, and I think that it's it, in rollerblading is better for it. My question then is, not not as as someone who can't fend for themselves, but as as a as a leader or as a personality or as someone who is listened to and who's given more consideration. Your opinions have been considered by many more people in the world. Right. Than somebody who doesn't have a podcast, and I think there is the key word is consideration. Mm -hmm. And I would like to have my ideas considered, uh -huh. and that that really is all that I'm doing when I'm doing a podcast is offering ideas mm -hmm. to be considered. Okay, um, I in no way view myself as an authority or someone of special knowledge. Mm -hmm. All I'm doing is 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 just. Talking and offering potential okay. ideas, and it's if listeners are, if those ideas are entering their brain, mm -hmm. I just feel like each and every one of those individuals has the responsibility to filter mm -hmm. what I'm saying is bullshit, which a lot of it okay. is. Okay. I'll be the first person to say that a lot of the things that we talk about on this podcast are complete bullshit. And I like to keep it that way because if I felt really obligated to be a conduit of truth and nothing but truth, yeah. that would limit my range of potential sure, sure. discussion. I, I, so I, I, I accept I, yeah. a lot of bullshit, and I, yeah. and I play with a lot of bullshit, and, and I think once in a while, and I've seen it happen, once in a while, complete rants of bullshit mm -hmm. lead to very truthful and interesting okay. places. Okay. And, and, uh, and so, and and I like to give that example, or I like to share that attitude mm -hmm. of not taking yourself too seriously, which yeah. I love your rant about yeah. taking yourself seriously, by the way. But uh, I do think there's value in having a free kind uh -huh. of mind. Obviously, it can be detrimental, uh -huh. but and it, and it takes, I think, a, maybe a smarter person to reel it in and manage mm -hmm. their life and still 
take things seriously and still take responsibility for yeah for what they're doing. But in this in this podcast, I like people to approach it with that in mind that it's yeah it's all over the place. Okay. And okay. you might you might get some bullshit. You might get some solid facts. Mm-hmm. This isn't this isn't. A pl- this isn't the authority, right? I right. don't want people to well, think so, it's so authority. Well, so I I tend to take things pretty seriously, and that's kind of been my nature. I, I don't know if nature is, is if there is such a thing, but but yeah. that's certainly been my track record. I'll say, yeah. Um, that is as a fairly well, you young, are you are a professional uh, um, idea sharer. It, it, yeah, in, in, in a way, yeah, yeah. So so yeah, of course you would take it. Yeah, but but I mean, even even as a kid, like uh, you know, I I, I liked um, you know bands like Bad Religion and stuff. They had very serious lyrics all the time, and I don't think that I mean the 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 band name itself, Bad Religion, is is meant to be a kind of a pun in a way because they called a bad religion anything that gives you a prescribed way of thinking, and in saying you should think for yourself, which was their sort of general message. That in itself is a prescribed way of thinking, and they got that irony right, right. as seventeen-year-olds in nineteen seventy-nine or eighty when they started their band. Yeah, and they got the irony. They got it. It made sense. It was funny. It was fun. It was serious. And we hate this, these religions, and we hope that they fucking die. But but we kind of are one of them. We're kind of <laughs> like that in a way. Yeah. Not really, because think for yourself isn't the same thing as think this way. You know. It's more open than that. It's not as, as, as closed off and constrictive and prescriptive in saying what you have to do. Right. You've committed a sin. Go tell this guy and then say this many rosaries and so on and so forth. Um, if you feel bad, feel bad about it. If you don't feel bad, there probably wasn't anything wrong with it. Right. You know? Um, so so even, as a young, uh, even as a younger person, I, I felt fairly serious about things and I felt fairly seriously minded about things. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean though that I had a coach for rollerblading or anything like that. But but I still and I didn't really ever feel like I trained. I never had a special diet. You know, I drink. I mean, I'm sitting here. We're sitting here drinking beer and I'm smoking cigarettes and we're sitting within inches of a campfire, breathing in all kinds of shit. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I I think that there's a little bit of a leap in what you said about uh, because it's not claiming to be the truth or an authority. Um, Therefore, all bets are off. Um, I, I think that I think that um, you you guys I think don't want to be an authority. You don't you, you understand that 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 uh, authority is only as good as, as its as its output. Right. Right. So if I can if I can force everybody to abandon Savannah and say Alley of Unity, then I'm a very powerful person. Yeah. If I can't. That just means that I'm not powerful enough to do it. It doesn't mean that Savannah is right and Ali Beauty is wrong or, or vice versa. It just means that I don't have the power to change it. Right. Um, so so my, my point is about um, never, even, even all the things that I write, I've got, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, in, some people might think that I'm kind of coming from the ivory tower, as they say about academics that like you guys think that you're smarter you guys think that you're better so on and so forth yeah. and we don't because we know that language for instance is is at the whim of the users it's not written down somewhere and, and, and American English is a fantastic example of this because we don't have a national language Germany France all these similar countries have a national version where there is a true way to say certain things that that 
uh, it's it's prescribed in France that you say it a certain way, that you yes. don't say it this way, you say it this way. Punctuate it this way, run the, the syntax this way, uh, spell it this way, all that kind of stuff. They have an official language. Right. We don't have that in the United States. Um, and And I think that that's a great example because... No one can say that Ebonics is a bad language. Yeah, it's a it's a re- it's a language just like any other. If people it's speak made, it and it can be understood, then yeah, no, it, and and especially by the other users of that of that dialect or of that of that discourse. Yeah, um, and it's the same with rollerblading language. If I can say to uh, Andrew Broom that it was a backsav, he'll get it. Right. So I, it's it's my responsibility to adapt my language to him, not because of some great. Uh, uh, ethical boundary line that I would be crossing, but just because it's easier, right. I don't have to do the whole shuffle and dance about. Okay, so I'm a I'm a right foot back unity or back sav, and the the thing is on my right hand side, you know, and yeah. I'm coming up like this, and I'm going to spin that way, <laughs> and my and left you, leg is going to yeah, my left leg and do this and go through that whole song and dance to to, to get it explained. I could just say back sav, no, back sav, and he'll oh. get it. Whereas you know, if I'm talking to one of the older guys, I'll say, you know, truth been alley backside unity, and that yeah. sounds cumbersome to people who say backsav, but it's not about it's not about me forcing my will, and 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 and, and which which I I know better than because I don't have the power to change it. Yeah. And Daily Bread didn't have the power to say truth been alley mizu goes away. It's just truth been mizu. Right. Which. It was inevitable that that would happen. I mean, when you say truth been alley oop. Soul, the alley oop is implied by true spin. So that's a whole complicated mess. The true spin alley oop <laughs> because a lot of people use alley oop to mean the backwards version of the grind. So if a soul yeah. is the canonical version, that means going forward. Then alley oop just means the backward version. The backward version. And it doesn't give you any information about how you got there. Yeah. It just means like if you would ha- if you had had your friends help you climb up on the rail, and you got yourself in soul position, pointed up the hill, and then let go of your friends and went down the rail. That's alley-oop, yes. alley-oop version of the forward soul. So it's, it, it, yeah. it's, it, for a lot of people, alley-oop just means backwards. Yeah. You know, backward soul. Yeah. Whether you got there from alley-oop topside or whether you just got there from zero spin to alley-oop soul. Another, this is another one. Yeah. Zero spin should already imply, so zero spin soul should already mean backwards version. But people, yeah, true spin people will stick alley-oop. in that extra alley-oop just to make sure that it's not uh, ambiguous. Right. Um... But but we've still I've, I've I've let myself wander again. Yeah. Um, as as a person with some influence, you sound like, and, and what I, what I'm hearing from you is that you don't necessarily want any responsibility for for. I get it that you don't you don't think that you're the authority, and that's great yeah. because I don't think that anybody is the authority. I think that many of us are authorities. We're experts. We're able to talk about this stuff. Yeah. Uh, and your opinion is as valid as mine. Um, and I don't get any special privilege by being a linguist that you don't get. If you think it's backsav, it's backsav. Right. If I think it's true spin alley of unity, being a linguist doesn't make me a better rollerblader. It's just yeah. it's just what I do. Yeah. Um, but it, I just I think that I think that going back to the metaphor about your daughter couldn't do this for herself. It's different with rollerblading because it's not that these people can't do it for themselves. Anybody can make a podcast. Everybody's right, got right. a laptop or a smartphone or whatever, and they can do it themselves, but they don't. And right. you're the one who does, and you're the one with all the people listening to you. So I wonder, not necessarily if there's any responsibilities or obligations, but are, are like there Like, is any it a matter of intention? Like, is... 
don't know. Because, well, first, like, I, I'm not married to any of the ideas that I have. Mm-hmm. I'm not... I'm not preaching anything, uh-huh. I, I don't think. Um, not purposely, anyway. Well, preaching uh, um, might be one thing, but, but you're also leading by example. So you, right. guys, you guys are open to the idea of skating cones, and yeah. other people wouldn't be caught dead skating cones. They would right. feel stupid, or they would feel gay, or they would feel silly. Right. And you're not saying, and maybe, skate cones, or, or I won't like you. Yeah. You know, you're saying, you're leading by example, saying, yeah. I don't care what you think, but I'm going to go skate these cones. And you guys are listened to, and so, you know, every trend, you know, has its catalyst, whether it's, you know, baggy pants or skinny pants or poofy shoes or flip-flops or whatever the trend is or whatever the style is or whatever the mode is, um, you're still leading by example. Right. And, and there's a kind of an implicit uh, uh, statement that this is okay for an aggressive skater to do cones Yes. Because you're an aggressive skater and you do cones, so by the uh, commutative property of, of whatever, uh, maybe it's okay for me to skate cones too. Maybe it's okay yeah. for me to try rocket skates or hockey skates or big wheels. Yeah. You know? There's an implicit... That's the thing. Like, you don't have to... It's not quite the same as it is with your daughter where you're saying, uh, no, if she doesn't get... If I don't feed her, she won't get fed. Right. If I don't change her diaper, it will just fill up with poo. You know, it's not quite the same way. Right. You're giving an implicit uh, uh, assurance that this is okay. You're a respected rollerblader, and if you say cones are okay, if you say cones have a place in aggressive skating, or at least those those so abilities. Yeah, you're saying whether I like it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I am. That's exactly what I'm saying. Whether you whether I like it or choose it. I am responsible or I am uh, I am in a position where my ideas are heard and yeah. respected in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, and you can't you can't necessarily bow out of that because you no. have chosen it because you have it's not like you did the one podcast for fun, because you and you and Joey were drunk and like, "Oh, let's let's do it. push record here record this." Yeah. And then put it on your Facebook. Yeah. You've been doing this for 170 times now. Like you've been going well out of your way. Well out of your busy schedule of being uh, a, a professional and a husband and a father and a rollerblader and all the other things right. that you might do, you're going out of your way to do this. Yeah. So it's not by accident. It's it, it's it's not that you can say, you know, look, I well, a huge, I don't a have hu- any say in what you guys believe. You do have a say. But a huge part of of uh, doing this and putting so much time into this. Is very selfish, and it's just, mm-hmm. it's fun to do, mm-hmm. as you can tell. We're having a great time. I love to sure. do these podcasts. Yeah, I, I love it's being a great on them. I way, think it's hilarious fun. It's a great way to just focus with another person, mm-hmm. and you put the, it's like, yeah, we, we don't need to be recording this. Right. But by doing so, mm-hmm. it kicks it up into into another level. Right. You know, that we wouldn't have if we weren't recording it. Right. Um, so it is selfish. And at the same time, I do... I have my opinions. I have my opinions about rollbladers and about rollblading and and things that we're lacking. And I do want to promote more openness and to different ideas. Right. Um, but it's interesting because I'm not preaching a certain formula. What I'm preaching is n- no formula. Right. No lack it's of formula. It's bad religion all over again. Exactly. It's and think I'm, for yourself. I'm promoting. I'm I demand that you think for yourself. Yeah. As a, as an active demand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm promoting just complete experimentation and drop everything you think you know. I, yeah. I, I think it's all, I think a lot of our preconceptions as role players is complete bullshit. Uh-huh. And I want people to really challenge that. Mm-hmm. I want to be, it's funny, the name mushroom blading. Mm-hmm. I would like to be the psychedelic mushroom that breaks down a person's barriers. What up, dog? Hey, this is Jay. Jay, this is Jay. Tom. How's it going? Good. We're, we're, we're live oh, recording. Yeah. Come sit down. You guys do that. Yeah. Hey, can I use your foam roller for a minute? Yeah, it's inside the bedroom. Cool. Fuck my um. back up at work. Yeah. <laughs> I have to pee really bad, and since there's another person here, you guys could just rock and roll. If, or he's going inside. Yeah, for a minute. Okay. Yeah, it's whatever. Um, hey, this is really good. I've been, hold, I've been holding the pee for a long time because I'm really mm-hmm. enjoying where we're at. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> well, I, I could I could stand the pee too. Maybe we could. We want to take yeah. five minutes and we come back. Let's take five. Yeah. Okay. And we're back. We're back. We have Jay Garrick with us. Yeah. Is that how you say Garrick? Yeah. Garrick. Right. Garrick. Yeah, it is, my friend. Known you for fucking 20 years. <laughs> and, and a, a fourth. And, yeah, and Rosie's out and here, Rosie. too. Yeah. My beagle. Rosie's hanging out. <laughs> She's sitting there getting smoked out. Just looking away from the fire like that'll fix it. Yeah. <clears throat> so so we were we were, we were were coming around to... Me pressing you to come up with whether you have any responsibilities to rollerblading. Yes, and not I thought, as not as a as a as an authority, but or not as the authority, but as a personality who is is, is is contributes and is and is listened to by some number of people. Right, out and there. I I I hate to re say something I already said when we were talking off air, but I thought it was a really interesting point that. Um, the attitude of going into this and not having a plan or a specific agenda and uh-huh. letting the chips fall where they may, having a mind-like-water mm-hmm. attitude mm-hmm. Um, is similar to what we were talking about before with the the attitude about tricks and yeah. about having a very set, okay, I'm going to go for a alley-oop top sole to sole, mm-hmm. 360 out. Yeah. And then some slip-up happens, and in the middle of it, you stop and say, oh, screwed up, and you stop trying or stop doing whatever you're doing. Right. Whereas if you have the attitude like, yeah, I'm going to go for now, you top sole, just sole, but we'll see what happens, whatever, we'll go with the flow. Then you allow yeah. those beautiful accidental things yeah. that we reference Dominic Sagona and mm-hmm. and come, come out like a stud, even though you didn't do exactly what right. you thought. Like let it be what it is, right. and that's kind of what a what a podcast is. So I I do like to have an open mind, sure, to that. But I under I do understand what you're saying about I do whether I like it or not have a I have people's ear. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, dude, you should use that for something, and um. <laughs> well, well, so so to 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 go to go back to this, and I don't know yeah. if I'm uh, you know. Call call maybe calling you out on something that was said off air, um, but you said that you, you you sometimes feel bad about a podcast afterwards, yeah, yeah. and that to me speaks to some sensibility that you have, where there is some sense of of delivering quality material. Yes, however we'll say it, um, and so so that may be that 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 to me suggests that that is something that you view as a responsibility to have good shit out there. Yes. Um, I think a lot not of not necessarily the, prescribed like grab your backslides or whatever, right? Uh, or or you know say rosaries after you've coveted your neighbor's wife or whatever. Yeah. But uh, you 
do have some standard that you do feel that there's a responsibility that you have to deliver at least entertaining or informative or some amalgamation of entertaining and informative and whatever. Yeah, I, And I you also said that the truth can emerge sometimes from those... Bullshit. Hair, bullshit, harebrained, way, way out in the left field, out in the tall grass things. Yeah. Uh, so so I, I do... I get I get that a lot of people resist the idea when I ask this question. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any responsibilities to rollerblading? People want to say no, no. It's every man for himself. We've always known this. Right. It's always been this way. Nobody taught me. I didn't teach anybody else. I just picked it up along the way. The same as you, the same as everyone, the same as everyone in the world does the world. You know, there's certain people who have coaches and teachers for life or for rollerblading in various ways. Uh, but generally, I think that we're resistant to the idea of feeling... <coughs> that we have authority. these big obligations yeah. to be the authority or something like that. I guess, But maybe it's clear that you do feel a sense of wanting to deliver a quality output. I do. And I, I want it to be valuable to people. And yeah. I want it to be entertaining and well-produced and all that stuff. But like after most of the podcasts, I feel like I failed. Yeah. But like I, I look at it as, as you know... A journey to hopefully get to a point where maybe I can say I'm, I mean, authority, not an authority, but I, 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 under, I understand. Be authority. Well, yeah. I, under, I understand that I'm getting better, mm-hmm. and I don't want to be too hard on myself mm-hmm. or too hard on Joey. I want us to explore and learn from our mistakes right. and still put it out there because I think there is some value, but I think it can be so much more. And I, th- yeah. I think it can give people a lot more yeah. as we age and as we gain experience. And, like, I don't look at myself as being a particularly smart person. Mm. I'm not very smart. Well, okay, I'm, I'm being self-detrimental, yeah. whatever. Yeah. That's my own mother issues. But, like, it's hard for me to be... I'm not arrogant, yeah. you know? I'm not, like, I'm well, the that's, man. That's, I got all this clear. shit to I, say. I, 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 <laughs> Because all I can do is share whatever thoughts are going through my head. And I think I, I have the ability to just be honest mm-hmm. in ways that other people might not have just because I'm not tied to any companies. It helps that you're not beholden to someone Yeah, already. I'm yeah. not afraid to upset anybody because it's not like I get any... Like, I don't want to hurt people's feelings. Right. But at the same time, I'm going to be honest about how I feel about certain mm-hmm. companies or whatever it might mm-hmm. be. Yeah. And I'm not going to lose any kind of income or... You no, know, right. my daughter's not going to starve if I piss off John Julio, so whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think there is value in, in that, in not being I think married. I think that there is, but we're, we're also, as we said, I think way, not during that break, but before we even started, where we were talking about um, um, oh shit, it was right there. It was right there and it left. It just, <laughs> like it left. Um, where we we were talking about, um, I thought it, I thought <laughs> I thought I thought saying it again would make it come come to mind. We were talking about um, shit before we started the podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I hate doing this. Flat rockers subs. <laughs> <laughs> Joey's dog. Uh. Oh, it's brutal. I hate doing this. You know, like it was right there, and it just left. It like, oh, it, like yeah, I it hate left. that. That's the left. worst. Um, God damn it! If I if I listen to this, 
which which I will. I'll, I'll as soon as I screaming at yourself. I'll, I'll know exactly what it was. You know when it when it when it left me. <laughs> you idiot! It was right there. It was this. Frank. But okay, I I I feel responsible to people the same way I feel responsible to myself. Mm-hmm. Like just to just to point out the fact that there's so much that we need to learn and mm-hmm. so much to discover uh-huh. mm-hmm. and and there's no like there's so much just skating wise mm-hmm. that we could mm-hmm. work on and develop and and explore and i just preach if anything experimentation yeah and just go with weird ideas mm-hmm. and don't be afraid to f- be just a fucking loser yeah don't be afraid to fail yeah and um well, fail- failure is something that's interesting because there's there's a lot of Western culture that really embraces failure. That we as a, as a culture, you know, <clears throat> Europeans, Canadians, Americans, Mexicans, um, Australians tend to view um, uh, failure as well. You gave it a shot, and it's and that has some intrinsic value for trying. Right. Uh, whereas uh, Japan and some other Eastern cultures, for instance, don't have that same cultural value. Right. Where mm-hmm. it's not best to have tried and failed. It's best to have not made a fool of yourself. Right. Whereas, you know, we have people, just, just to pick one out of left field, we have like guys like Donald Trump who've, you know, he's a billionaire, but he's declared bankruptcy eight, nine times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's got a TV show, and like he's a weirdo, whack job, and people... Find him interesting Man, or like that's him. That's interesting. You can see it. And in, he's in like, he he puts himself out as a as an expert businessman. Yeah. And he's yeah. been bankrupt nine career. times or however many times it's been. Yeah. Like you seem like you're bad at being a businessman. If you've <laughs> yeah. Been broke. <laughs> but it's just persistence. Yeah. And maybe maybe that's maybe that's the message. Maybe people say to themselves, "Well, you know, I'm not as I'm I've got a full head of hair. I don't have to wear a toupee like that guy with a dead skunk on my head." Yeah. And if he can do it, maybe I can do it. It's 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 interesting that 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 notion of trying and failing is is preferable to us, whereas other cultures would think no, that's bringing shame and humiliation on your family. Yeah, you know, but, don't try that topsole, man. That rails square. You, yeah. you, you're going to bring you shame that, on your dude. father's household. Not work. <laughs> I've seen that shit on rails. You're not very topside. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work for mm-hmm. you. But that's reflected in like the Chinese, uh, as a country, they're very good at producing. They're right. very good at following formulas, and once right. once it's discovered, they can bust it out like yeah. nobody's business. But right. all the new ideas are coming from right. the United States and, and other countries that promote like mm-hmm. unique thought and right. and this. And I think as as a as general, yeah, I want I think rollerblading should strive to become more like the Americans in that sense than the Chinese. Yeah, like as opposed to just. Like have novel like, ideas, right? Yeah, Be an ideas shop. Yeah, and because we're we we do have history, but we're also very young as as a sport and as a culture, obviously. And it's up to us to really write the the book about what skating is and what it can be. Mm-hmm. We can't just look back at videos and say, okay, oh, this is what it is, done. Yeah, you can close the the door on that. We, yeah, yeah. we know what skating is. The, the, yeah, the we have our written. vocabulary. Right. Uh, I think there's a lot yet to be written. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
So I I remember now what I was what I was what I was trying to say, and that was about um, you know not being beholden to any company, not having sponsors, not having to you know sort of toe the party line. Yeah. As far as uh, you and Joey, not being beholden, not being obligated to speak for a brand or something like that. Yeah. Mushroom blading in a way is its own brand, and it was really confusing to me. And I think that a lot of people, myself included, who've listened to lots of the podcasts. Um, because I, I asked Joey about this, and I was saying, you know, is all of this mushroom, is mushroom blading? Because what was really striking to me was he put out this little edit, and it was called Before Mushroom Blading. Yeah. And I was really confused by that, because when I watched it, I was thinking, well, all of that's mushroom blading. Right. Like, he's running up and down stairs, he's stair riding, he's doing weird wall kicks and, you know, weird shit. Yeah. And, and he said to me, well, no, that's before the video mushroom blading came out yeah so most of us i think out here in the wide world you being very far from home right now uh around here and around other locales like this far from kamloops yeah hear the word mushroom blading and we think you know wacky mode like a style of of yeah a a mode of skating not a style but a kind of skating that yeah running upstairs is part of the sequence Right. We're like, I only run upstairs if I'm about to get kicked out. Like, I don't yeah. run upstairs. That's As not like part of my... <laughs> like, oh, there's the security guard. He's got 50 feet before he gets here. I can run up and get one more try. Yeah. That's the only way I'm running up a staircase. Yeah. I don't run up staircases. That's... You don't run, dude. I don't run at all. Um... But so so yeah. So we, we largely think of we largely think of, of mushroom blading as being this kind of slightly offbeat mode of aggressive skating, right. where it includes loops and swivels and yeah. wall kicks and other kinds of things that are less canonical than say a topsole down a fifteen stair rail. Yeah, you know. So yeah, in when when he titled that before mushroom blading, he was <clears throat> talking about. Before the that video, video before mushroom that video. blading. Yeah. Yeah. That was really but confusing to me. But so, right. Yeah, yeah. Because so, he, we've always, I guess, yeah, we've always, or not, yeah, we've always done kind of mushroom blading right. type stuff. That that's always. what y'all have, y'all have always been about, that kind of slightly offbeat. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Nothing is out of bounds. Experimentation is, is king. That's the that's the, the main objective of rollerblading is to try it out, to try it, see what can be done. What what do we like? What do we not like? What's fun? What's not fun? Right. You know, Jake Barnes, I think, is perfect for y'all to be talking to all the time because he he really idealizes and fetishizes a, a time in his life where rollerblading was all about that. It was all about we've got these wheels on our feet. <coughs> what can we get done? What are we gonna do? Yeah, can we yeah. can we jump over that thing? Let's try it. Can we you know skate a vert ramp? Let's try it. Can we? Jump over a hockey stick, let's try it. Can we ride down a staircase? Can we grind a rail? All these kinds of things. Where, you know, he, he's coming from a very early 90s, like 90, 91 era, where there were rollerblades, but the idea of doing a kinked rail, let alone a back salve down a kinked rail, would have just been mind-blowing, yeah. you know? Uh, and I think that he really likes that, and I think that... Y'all get along with him for for that reason and for similar reasons that you're both interested in what can we get done, what kind of experiment can we can we succeed in, yeah, and fail at, you know. Um, but going so so that makes sense why y'all get along so well because y'all seem to have that similar kind of mentality about experimentation and what can we do. Right. Can we do a loop? I don't know. You know, I mean, until Jaron Grove did it, nobody had done a loop. 
Yeah. Is it something that's impossible on rollerblades? Well, we need to get a guy, hire a guy to go try <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, sorry if you get broke off, man. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> yeah, sorry if you die. I mean, you know, we're just trying to find out if it's possible. But I had to try it. It's, it's the same, money, dude. It was yeah. the same thing for the first guy who jumped off a staircase, the same guy who jumped over a hockey stick, the same guy who rode downstairs. The first time I saw stair riding, I was like, fuck that. I'm, yeah, I ain't doing that. Yeah. You know how bad it'll hurt to fall face first and a fucking flight of 50 stairs? Yeah. Fuck all that. Yeah. That sounds like a bad idea. And then after I learned how to do it on a three stair and then a seven stair, and then I learned how to do it in general, 50 stairs is just, okay, instead of five seconds of it, it's 20 seconds of it. Yeah. And it isn't any different. Um, but y'all's mentality is more like, a, you know, kind of an Eric Burke where... You come off the rail, stair ride for a little, and then jump back onto the rail because we want to know if that can be done on rollerblades. Right. Uh, and, and that's 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 really awesome. Um, but going back really quickly to the to the to the responsibilities and stuff, um, while you don't have to be beholden to anybody, you don't have to speak for a brand or a company or anything like that, uh, we do live, as you were saying earlier, this is what I was trying to get to. Uh, in the internet age where there's a lot of shit talk, there's a lot of, you know, I don't care if I, you know, offend John Julio, you know, okay, fine, maybe maybe you don't, but I, I think that I think that a lot of us who are in rollerblading media in one way or another have some responsibility to kind of lead by example, the same way that I was saying earlier, that if you're leading by example saying, I think cones are okay, uh, you know, being kind can be demonstrated to be okay, and to... You know, I could I could say, well, there's there's four or five rollerbladers who I think are just pieces of shit, and I want to call them out on on air and let everybody know that I think those guys need to fucking you know die in a in a fire. That's what we'll talk about next, right? <laughs> um, but you know, we we have this internet culture now that plays such a big role in rollerblading, and we have you know the the, the hateful comments on roller news all the time, and people like Brian Kranz who won't even go to the site and who get mad at somebody. For logging on to Roller News on his computer, like, dude, you're 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 adding a view. I don't want to participate in that right. shit. You know, I don't want to do with that. Uh, and 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 that's that's the the kind friendly version of the kind of hate talk and shit talk that a lot of people think is just hilarious fun. But I think as people in media, not necessarily as the authorities, but as as authorities or as community leaders, we do have some responsibility to. Um, Lead by example in being friendly, being kind. Yeah. Not going out of your way. If you have a problem with John Julio, that's your problem with John Julio. Recognizing that I don't you have a problem have, with John Julio. <laughs> whether, whether, uh, just as an example, pick yeah, pick yeah, any yeah, yeah. pick. You know, John <laughs> Rollerblader. John Rollerblader, <laughs> who may or may not own Valo. Uh, uh, you know, we do have some responsibility, I think, to lead by example and to not go yes. out of our way to talk shit. Because no, there's no. so much of our culture right. that's the, like like roller news, <clears throat> where people, you know, I'm gonna fucking rape your family. Yeah. Like uh, why? Because I didn't grab my backslide. Like, come on, man. But you I know? do think there's there's a difference between just being hurtful and constructive criticism. Yeah. Constructive yeah. criticism is very important. Yeah, but we're talking about roller news here. Like, I'm not talking. Yeah, about, yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about. Hey, man, what do you do? You think that backslides should be grabbed or not? Like, let's have a conversation about it. It's yeah. totally different from, you, that guy didn't grab his backslides, I'm going to rape his family and I'm going to yeah. burn down their house and, you know, go to the elder's home and kill his grandparents. <laughs> <laughs> right, and, and people do get very angry. We talked about this, that people are very protective about what is seen as role or yeah, what is put out there into the world, and it's like, 
how dare you put this out? It makes rollerblading look so bad. This is hurting us. Right. You know, because we're very... You're the one killing rollerblading. Yeah, you're the this, one it's why, your yeah, fault. Like, you're the one who's looking at it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, People are so no insecure. Like, check the views, <laughs> man. You got 250 views. Who who do you think yeah, were those 250 relax. people? <laughs> yeah. Everybody like needs to take it. 249 haters. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. chill. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's funny because there is that problem, yeah. and that is a huge problem in rollerblading and in inter- internet in general. Internet dumb. But... I also think it's a problem in rollerblading of people just really drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really just drinking the Kool-Aid and, like, yeah. accepting stuff and not thinking about it and really idolizing people that mm-hmm. it's just that's what you do as a rollerblader is you idolize this guy it's like, why do you idolize him? Why, why do you want to buy his products? I just think there needs to be more, more, uh, more criticism and more analyzing. If it was anal- yeah. if it was, if it was analyzation, I think that that would be fine. But I don't yeah. think that that's what we're getting. We're not getting well, people saying, not people let's let's create a new Facebook group people. where we could just talk about whether grabs on one footed tricks should be the norm. You don't see that. You see, you're a faggot. You're fucking, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and no one is safe from it. You know, it's not like all of Roscoe's edits are safe from, from the internet hate parade. It's, it's, right. it's everybody. No one is safe. Everybody is just, there's just this, this culture of, of hate and shit talk. Right. And but do you, do you think it it's really, really that detrimental? Do you think it's really detrimental? Comments? It's bothersome. It's bothersome. bothersome. I don't think that it's killing the sport or killing rollerblading. I don't think that because... I don't know, though, man. There's a lot of guys out there who probably saw some... Fucking comments, and they're just like, "No, nah, I'm done." Yeah, I ain't, put, I ain't doing this shit anymore, man. Yeah, probably. <laughs> like a lot of people out there, like they get hated on. They're just like, "Fuck it, fuck rollerblading, dude." Yeah, these guys don't even give a shit about what I'm doing. Well, that's that's they what's don't so hard about it. Is just like having fun. With my we friends. have we have we have a culture where it's it's become the norm to put out edits of yourself in whatever capacity, whether it's you guys or whether it's some kid filming himself getting his P rail and sticking a song on there. With with whatever rudimentary photo or video editing software he's got, whether it was stock with his you know iPhone or stock yep. app or whatever he came with his computer, um, that's like a, a part of what it is to be a rollerblader. It's not just to rollerblade, but to film yourself rollerblading and right. put it online. That's like that's almost just telling the world, hey, I'm a rollerblader. I'm a part of this community, right, and right. I can do that too. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but but so so that kid who puts out a P rail edit isn't any more safe or less safe from, say Alex Brasco who yeah. is gonna get fifty comments on how he's gay, or how his outfit or haircut or whatever is stupid. Yeah. You know, I like this guy better when he was wearing baggy pants and KFC. Yeah, yeah. Now he's all fagged out. Do people complain about pants anymore? It's not as much. There was. Like a few I, years ago yeah, when people were making the switch, all the like Farmer. I hear more skateboarders all saying, pants. Like, what the fuck's up with all these tight pants. rollerblader tight pants fucking kids <laughs> <and> shit? <laughs> That's pretty much what we hear. Around here, at least. Yeah. There it is. We couldn't well, we do a really podcast pay without mentioning pants. We don't right. really pay attention too much. We just can't do I need, it. I need to get it. Jared had some pants on yesterday that had, like, way more <laughs> stretchy than mine. And I, I, these, I've been, these pants that you're wearing, like... 
in the nineties, those would be, be considered would be like tight. really yeah, tight. Painted like, on right here. Tighties. Painted on right yeah. here. Yeah. When I saw the Frank in pants, are... I got real confused. Yeah. Well, well, I'm not gonna lie. You know, I was like, Frank, to, I don't know about this, dude. Compared <laughs> to you. you know the Senate ultra wides, yeah, these are these are some booty tights right here. Yeah. Hey. Hey, how's it going? We're, we're podcasting in real time. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's You're all right. welcome. Yeah. We're just sitting here. Just we should just step. Let you be warned. back. So your words are being recorded. Is recorded. Yeah. <laughs> they can and will be used against you. <laughs> well, so you're still in, you're, so we're here in Austin. This whole thing's been in Austin. Yeah. It's incredible to have you here. It's, yeah. it's, it, I would never have expected that we would be doing a podcast from yeah. my deck. Yeah. I also would not have expected that you would come all the way down here from Kamloops, which is probably neck deep in snow. Yeah. To shit ass weather here in town. Yeah, I thought it was going to be warm. Yeah. So what else? Have, what else have you got coming up? You're here till what? The twelfth? Till Thursday, yeah. Thursday. Oh shit. Yep. Um, so, probably doing a lot of work, uh, representing uh, my company did the the app for South by. Mm-hmm. And so working at the trade booth and mm-hmm. helping out with that, and also just taking in some some talks at South by. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, I haven't been able to do much of that, but I really want to because I love just listening to people talk. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I was so disappointed that I missed Neil deGrasse Tyson yesterday. <laughs> that was brutal. Yeah. But. Um, well, we'll be watching Cosmos here. You're welcome to to participate if you're interested in that. Yeah, I should probably. I I have to get back to. At Slaving least away making for the myself man. available for. Requests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, I'll be around till Thursday. Well, if you I, want to drink I beer might, or get a coffee or whatever. Yeah, I might be able to sneak away again. We'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been, it's really unpredictable day yeah. to day. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard for me to plan. You should see the box in action. I, I had a look at the box, and it is yeah. beautiful. <laughs> wow. It's really, it's really. It's a good box. It's I really wouldn't mind box. doing a Mizu on it. That'd be great. <laughs> that would be super fun. <clears throat> We could probably we can we could probably make that happen. Do you have some spare skates? I I'm sure that I do. <laughs> he does. This is his wife. He does. This is his wife. He <laughs> does. Yeah, There's good. a closet yeah. full. The voice of reason is here. <laughs> he has lots of <laughs> stinky skates lying around. <laughs> Trust me. <sighs> cool. Well, yeah, this was a lot of fun. We recorded like well over two hours. So yeah, yeah, we being smoked out by this things. fucking fire like yeah. half of the time. It was worth it to be warm. It was colder before. It was freezing. <laughs> this was really I was like, I was shivering. It was hard yeah. for me to talk. My jaw was like frozen. <laughs> well, Davy and Jen, when they like, they live in Canada. They live in Regina, mm-hmm. and they come down here, and they're just like, it's colder it's here. Cold. It's cold. It's cold as shit. Their asses. Plus, like, I mean, to be fair, outside, and to be just fair, like, <laughs> yeah. it's not just like you're going out to take out the trash or something. Like if you sit here, if you sit, it's like 50 degrees. If you sit here for like hours. It yeah. starts to get cold. It's cold. You're not we were talking around. for a good hour before we started podcasting. Yeah. So, I don't feel ashamed. There's pictures of me and Jared huddled up out here watching football last season. <laughs> looking yeah. ridiculous. Like, looking like, you know, Babushka's going out to the si- Siberia. Yeah, that's the only way to watch football. I mean. It's be really cold. Yeah. <laughs> what you, you know, especially when they're, like, snow games or cold games where you can see the guys are out there freezing their ass yeah, off. Yeah, you better be freezing, too. Yeah, you, yeah, you better open the freezer door. up in your living room? Yeah, hold the laptop How while you open your you? freezer door and stand there and pretend to be cold. <laughs> 
Yeah. But yeah, this was fantastic. Super was fantastic. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that you got to come down, and I'm thrilled that we got to do this here. Yeah, me so too. So here, let's, let's cheers. cheers. By the <laughs> yeah. And awesome that Jay stopped by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, thanks for tuning in.